What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. And now we are going to translate KKSM Oceanside. This is my left hand. Repeat after me. Questa è la mia mano sinistra. AM 1320. This is my right hand. Repeat after me. Questa è la mia mano destra. Radio Revolution. Welcome to another episode of Free Thought Radio on the Free Thought Media Network. Freethought TV can be found at YouTube by clicking on the TV icon at freethoughtmedia.org. Freethought Radio airs every Monday from 6 to 9 Pacific Standard Time on KKSM, The Radio Revolution, and on AM 1320 in North County, San Diego, and Cox Cable 957 in all of San Diego, and podcast on iTunes at freethoughtaac, and on lrn.fm, the Liberty Radio Network. The Freethought Media team consists of students and citizen journalists, liberty activists, and occasional guest hosting by high-profile people from the alternative media world who seek to challenge the corporate and state-controlled mainstream media status quo. The third hour of the Freethought Media Network presents a simulcast of the anti-media radio with host Nick Bernabe, also airing on UCY.TV, which also airs Wednesdays and Fridays exclusively at UCY.TV. Please go to the antimedia.org for more stories. Please visit us at facebook.com backslash freethoughtradio along with facebook.com backslash kksmradio and facebook.lrn.fm. And be sure to go to freethoughtmedia.org to donate Bitcoin. Welcome to Free Thought Radio on the Free Thought Media Network every Monday, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time on KKSM, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network, freethoughtmedia.org. My name is Josh Christian, and I'll be hosting the program today. I'm a musician and writer from the upstate central New York region, and up here it's lake and farm country mostly, with medium-sized cities every couple of hundred miles, sort of the edge of the Rust Belt, And back when we built things, we did it in places like the town I live in, Syracuse. Syracuse sits right on top of the Marcellus Shale Reserves. The town of Marcellus is actually a suburb of Syracuse. Um, These are tough times, and areas like these are desperate for jobs. You know, fracking up here is being pitched to the working class folks as a jobs creator, you know, a return to the good old days. And for people that have had their heads jammed full of anti-labor and anti-environmental propaganda, fracking becomes like a diffuse issue. You know, this area is no stranger to the energy and petrochemical industrial complex. Promises of safe and clean energy and jobs that half deliver at best and then leave the externalities to the community have added a great deal of stress physically and financially. And they're doing the same thing in California with the faux environmentalist corporate strongarm Jerry Brown supporting not only fracking, but nuclear energy and the prison industrial complex as well. It just goes to show you that Democrats are just as much the tool of the 1% as the Republicans are. And that's why Free Thought Media Network journalist Alex Fidel's interview for tonight is with Cindy Sheehan, 
who is seeking to smash the two-party stranglehold in the state of California with her candidacy for governor of California in the Peace and Freedom Party. Joining me now is Cindy Sheehan. She is a candidate for governor of California. You could check it out at cindy2014.org. Cindy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Alex. It's good to talk to you again. No problems. You had a post on your Facebook page today that says that they're covering all the establishment candidates in the news, like uh, Assemblyman Tim Donnelly and Mr. Top Two, Abel Maldonado and Jerry Brown and so on and so forth. What did running for vice president in the alternative party, Peace and Freedom Party, teach you about the corrupt two-party system? And how does everything that has happened in the Obama administration from the domestic spying to war overseas after re-election prove that nothing would have been any different if Romney would have been elected and how it's not going to make any difference whether it's a Republican or a Democrat getting elected to California governor? Well, yes, I... I don't read the LA Times, but that was brought to my attention. The Times reported that, excuse me, Republican Tim Donnelly has announced that he's going to run for um, governor of California. And then the the article says that no other candidates have announced. And (laughs) (laughs) so I'm like, what am I, chopped liver? But really, uh, to the establishment, third party and independents are chopped liver. And like you said, Mr. Top Two, Abel Maldonado, you know, Top Two is making it even more difficult for third party and independent candidates to have a voice and and actually have a a press or any kind of attention and and the corporate media. So that's why we're so, um, you know, I'm so happy to be on your show today. And the only difference I think we would have had if Romney were president is there would be far more opposition to if he had done the same things that Obama is doing. There'd be, I don't know if, if the things would change or if you know, opposition would stop things because we've seen certainly that it it doesn't. But I think if we have core principles and if we um, stay focused on what really is important, then we have to oppose what the empire does. And Jerry Brown is just another able servant of the the establishment, of the 1%. And, um, you know, Tim Donnelly wants to seem like he's some kind of maverick, but he's mm-hmm. just a Republican establishment yep. um, candidate. So the thing is, though, Alex, I see with these very, um, you know, blah, there's only way I can say Tim Donnelly, Abel <laughs> Maldonado, Republicans is that if it keeps going the way it's going, then there there might be a pretty good chance that I could get into the top two. Yeah. If you can raise some money, um, you know, and uh, because he, Tim Donnelly's setting out on a bus tour of, mm-hmm. of Southern California. And, and Hopefully he spends all the money on the bus. <laughs> yeah, I just spent $17 to get a, a train ticket to go to Modesto this weekend and and that's like putting a dent in our treasury. So, yeah. you know, we we do need money, and we do need uh, establishment establishment mouthpieces like the LA Times to at least acknowledge that we have filed paperwork, 
we did announce it was in a lot of newspapers and a lot of uh, local television. They were at our announcement, and you know we have had some press. If somebody, if they just like did a Google search, my name might have popped up, but maybe yeah. my name did pop up, but they didn't want to say it. Yep, uh, and that's that to me. That's predetermining the outcome of the election. And you, <clears throat> and you mentioned before, you know, uh, that possibly with Romney there might actually be more. Um, opposition, and I know I've seen you on TV plenty of times calling out people for only having situational principles that right. uh, uh, certainly maybe uh, Romney would have bombed Iran faster, but Obama is really a wolf in sheep's clothing when it comes to Netanyahu having his ear on that. Um, and you did this tour to peace across America to mm -hmm. say we shouldn't have situational principles. It doesn't matter whether it's a D or an R. Both of them are just the left and right hand of the empire. Um, wh what do you make of, of of people needing to step out and, and stick to their principles uh, not uh, and starting right now? Well, um, can I just like say something that I should have said in the last question and, sure. <laughs> and I forgot to say? Um, you asked me what I learned about the po political system when, you know, the, the establishment, the uh, Uniparty, uh, mm -hmm. the War Party, the Party of Wall Street, whatever. Um, I also ran for Congress in 08 against Pelosi and awesome. Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco. And that was like a real, I, I'm coming out with a new book. It's going to be published soon called I Left My Marbles in San Francisco, <laughs> the, the Scandal of Federal Electoral Politics. So that's coming out soon, and I'll talk about what I learned um, about the federal electoral system. But um, one thing is I came in second against Nancy Pelosi. Awesome. I got about 17% of the vote, uh, fifth, more than anybody got against her ever, and since before and since then. But... And I was an independent. I ran as declined a state. And we had a Republican running against her. And I got twice as many votes as she did. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to the election results for 08 in the 8th district in California, or, you know, the last time I looked, it gives the results of Nancy Pelosi and the results of the Republican. <laughs> it doesn't give my results at all. Wow. It says how many votes Nancy got, how many votes the Republican got. Leaves me out, even though I came in second. So that tells you a lot about the establishment media and the establishment um, political scandal here in the United States. Yep, definitely. So, so talk about how, how the Tour de Peace went to promote the idea of not having situal, situational principles uh, not supporting the war party and talk about how you uh, got arrested outside the CIA headquarters during a protest of drones and uh, what uh, the whole uh, situation around that is. Well, we certainly um, were able to, you know, connect with a lot of people riding bikes across the country because you can only go around 50 miles a day and you're going more slowly than usual so people are able we had people even approach us not just people who we were going to do events for and staying with and things like that so um, most of the people that we saw and it's also very 
um, interesting to spend a lot of time in what we call the flyover states because usually most of the activism is happening on the East Coast or the West Coast. So, and then there's Chicago. So, you know, we go Chicago or, or whatever and don't spend a lot of time in the other states. And so, you know, we actually were in the heart of the United States far longer than we were on either coast. And I just want to say that people have no, absolutely no confidence or trust in elected officials or the government. They are scared out of their minds with what kind of future is going to be left for their children and their grandchildren or young people even. It's like, do we even have a future? Yep. And so, but people don't really know what to do, Alex, because we are so like entrenched and indoctrinated into this capitalist empire um, that people can't even imagine that there might be another better way of doing things. And so um, uh, uh, social media like Facebook and Twitter, but I think more like Facebook has given us more of a chance to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. But people are seeming like they're like, just like retrenching into into their own little pods and not really wanting to come out and connect with other people and that's what we were trying to to impart the urgency of making these connections in your community to uh do whatever we can to be a part not apart but apart from the system that is really harming us so much definitely for those just joining i'm speaking with cindy sheehan candidate for governor of california you got to vote in june because of the top two system uh it is evil but we gotta hopefully uh beat them at their own game at it so i liked how um uh, when you ran with roseanne she ran for president um last year the peace and freedom party i like how on the front page uh it has thomas jefferson saying i want you to end the fed so let's talk a little bit about the banking system and uh how to how to resist uh uh, federal tyranny from the police state and the em empire and the uh, banking system. So basically, you know, for those that are listening, the Federal Reserve, you know, created in 1913, prints money out of thin air that's out of interest, and they give it to the government. And they're private for profit. They're basically the one percent. They loan the money to the government. Government pays back them in interest. The interest is collected through our taxes. That's why the one percent will never pay any taxes, and they raise it on the rest of us because they are the recipients of our taxes. Um, how would you uh, use uh, kind of, uh, you know, we use uh, states' rights to for medical marijuana, for instance. How can we do it to, like, for example, that says legal tender laws on or on their on the dollar bill? How would you what would you undermine those laws so we could have freedom uh, from the dollar, even to just forego money a money system entirely amongst ourselves? And and um, what what do you make of of uh, of the IRS's relationship to the Federal Reserve, since the Federal Reserve obviously prints a lot of money to pay for their wars. You have a section on your website called Occupy the IRS. What would you do as governor for the banking, against the banking system and uh, against um, uh, um, kind of the, the federal government's playing into the 1% by approving this banking system? Well, we definitely advocate for the creation of a state bank. And so that gets... Uh, us out of a lot of uh, debt when we do that. 
and I am um, an uh, I am an advocate of local currency. I'm an advocate of um, trade and cooperatives mm -hmm. and things like that. So, you know, that's more I think of a local issue. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. You know, even if we had a state bank, we'd still have to be part of the dollar. Yeah. You know, the, the Federal Reserve notes. So, for you example, know. would you would you uh, sign a law that's saying saying that here in California, the you know the legal tender laws that basically guarantee the monopoly on the dollar are no longer valid, and any federal, state, or local officer enforcing legal tender laws upon somebody using like cooperative trade or or local currencies uh, to oppress their rights would. You, would agents be able to be arrested for uh, enforcing the dollar monopoly on people? Would you pass such a law? Well, I think that I think whatever the people of the state of California, um, you know, whatever like laws that we pass, uh, the governor, the governor really has very little uh, power in the state of California. But what we can do is be advocates for the people of the state, but also to try to, like what my, uh, my friend Hugo Chavez did in Venezuela, was inspire the people to work together in their communities, to work together with their central government to create healthy communities. And so um, I can't answer your question about would I sign a law. It would, um, you know, that's a hypothetical question that I would have to really, uh, you know, have more information on. So it'd be really but, that to encourage people just to yes. uh, wake up to what the banking system is and stop using their money. We would incur definitely. I definitely encourage people, and I would be against the federal government um, tampering with uh, local trade, local currency, mm -hmm. and things like that. I think like time banking and all these kinds of things are so healthy, not just because we're getting outside of the of credit and, um, you know, Federal Reserve, but we're creating community when we do that. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's why they don't want us to do it yep. because that's just why they came so, down so hard on Occupy mm -hmm. because Occupy was gathering people together and people were talking that people weren't feeling isolated anymore. Mm -hmm. Alex, they were feeling part of a community struggling together for the same issues. And that's absolutely what the... 1% or the establishment don't want us doing. They don't want us gathering together and talking really about revolution is what we're talking about. Yep. Yeah, and certainly uh, that's uh, exactly why we went to war in Libya is because he was trying to get out, out of the dollar. Syria, Syria and Iran aren't pricing their resources in the dollar. <laughs> so it's definitely a big way to protest war is to get out of the dollar. And so if California would be the biggest anti-war state, if we were to uh, on a grand scale, uh, say, say that the dollar is no good anymore. Um, but let, let's move on to um, to Cal California having extremely high spending because corporations are the biggest welfare queens. I mean, they like to like the Republicans like to scapegoat uh, poor people, but that's really why are they there in the first place? Because of the Federal Reserve and corporate welfare uh, right. tanking our economy, so that we only have a scarce amount now of. Uh, part-time minimum wage jobs for a declining dollar and 
they blame the the people on on social services. So so what we really like we we spend way too much on prisons to house nonviolent drug offenders in order to, pr- to provide slave labor to Nintendo. Um, the 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 pay grade for the public education system favors the administrators and other ivory tower positions as opposed to the teachers or people that actually do the real work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the government, you know, the corporatism of favoring of industry, whether by direct subsidy or just favorable laws and then restrictions on average people. Of course, the military industrial complex has first dibs on all our land. Um, so both Republicans and Democrats would never really want to touch the real elephants in the room when it comes to spending, like the, the prison industrial complex and the corporatism. How, how would you cut uh, uh, the size of government via those routes? I know I, know, I, I don't, probably don't even have to guess that you are already against the, mil- or the prison industrial complex and the corporate, uh, corporate welfare. Right. And so the thing is about Jerry Brown is he's running. He hasn't announced he's going to run yet, but we don't see any reason why he's not going to. He's already raised $12 million dollars for his re-election campaign, but he's super vulnerable on this prison issue. And it's really sad because voters in California are easily swayed by television ads. And so things like Prop 37 fail. Actually just failed yesterday in Washington. It sucks so bad. Yeah, and we vote against, uh, you know, uh, same-sex marriage and things like that because we're swayed by the people who have the most money. So we, in California, we have voted some extremely um, callous prison um, bills like like a third strike and like um, making prison punitive and not, you know, rehabilitative. So the prison issue is a really hard issue, but Jerry Brown has been ordered by the federal government to release um, thousands of prisoners because of overcrowding and horrible conditions in our prisons. Uh, there are studies that say 44% of the people in prison in California have statistically no chance of recidivism. That means if they get out, they're not going to break any laws and go back to prison. So he could release almost half of the prison population and have no no danger of mm-hmm. it, like increasing the crime rate or whatever. And so um, instead, he's he's wants to give millions of dollars to private prisons to alleviate the overcrowding. Millions of dollars that could, could go to our schools, yeah. that could go to our infrastructure, that could go to other social programs for people who are really struggling here in the state. And there's one appalling statistic, because people might not care about overcrowding in prisons. I mean, people just like walking down the street or shopping or eating in restaurants, they they would say, oh, whatever, they're criminals, they deserve to be there. Until they're but, in jail for a nonviolent crime. Yeah, but what they should care about is the fact that California and this was in the California um, Budget Priorities uh, website, um, California spends 60000 per prisoner per year. And where does that money go? It's certainly not going to the prisoners. It's not going to prisoner services or whatever. But we spend less than 9000 per K-12 through student per year. Mm-hmm. And that, that tells you that our priorities are certainly backwards, certainly screwed up, and California ranks 
almost at the bottom. There were almost like number 50 in our public school system. And we, when I went to school here, we were um, at the top consistently because um, education was a priority. Governor Brown, education is not a priority. To Governor Brown, um, giving more benefits to his, you know, friends in the oil business or um, the prison industrial complex or the prison guards or, or the police state. Yep. You know, I, I stood with the family of Alex Lopez yesterday in Santa Rosa and Jerry Brown comes down hard on the side of cops. And talk so, a bit about that because he was he was a victim of the kind of absurd uh, zero tolerance policies for having a pellet gun. That was uh, yeah, poor Andy Lopez, thirteen years old, walking down the street with a pellet gun. Um, this cop who's forty eight years old, apparently psychotic. There's been people come to say, oh, I should have reported him after he pulled me over, you know, and things like that, and they, they're feeling guilty. But he was an Iraq war vet, um, came up behind Andy, told Andy to drop the gun. Andy was turning around, and from, um, they've timed this, uh, 10 seconds from when he said drop the gun, he had shot Andy, um, he fired eight shots, hit Andy seven times. Wow. So a 13-year-old with a pellet gun, what's next? You know, uh, who's next? A five-year-old with a rubber sword? Yep. You know, so these, these police are, um, they're out of control because there's no accountability. And in my administration, if I were governor, we would have, every community would have a citizen's review board that had um, subpoena power, that had, um, you know, follow-up enforcement power. And also there's something called a law enforcement officer's bill of rights. And so law enforcement officers actually have more rights than people do. And that's ridiculous. And yep. that, that needs to stop. And so um, I'm on the side of the people, and I will always be on the side of the people. I hugged Andy Lopez's mom yesterday, and she was trembling. I know how it is to be in that situation, Alex, without you know having a having to bury a son who should still be alive. And it's just it's not Casey. My son Casey's situation wasn't anomalous and unfortunately neither is Andy Lopez's situation. It's a systemic issue that needs to be addressed and it needs to be stopped. Definitely. Uh, for those just joining, I'm speaking with Cindy Sheehan, candidate for governor of California. You got to vote in June. Uh, so uh, uh, there's, there's an initiative in circulation that would completely legalize cannabis and hemp, ban uh, GMO hemp, or at least not offer protections to GMO, uh, release nonviolent prisoners, cut government spending um, and, and collect tax revenue um, and as a border state can contribute to into stopping the beheadings in Mexico um, um, the initiative is called the, the Jack Herrer California Cannabis Hemp Initiative uh, would you if it were to make it to the ballot uh, uh, by, the, by the end of February when the signatures are counted uh, mm -hmm. would you endorse such an initiative and it tie it into your uh, opinions on banning GMOs in general since you know uh, plants are plants and uh, yeah. to tie it into the same question well, um, I would have to look more at that initiative, sure. but every, everything you said sounds like something that we support. 
And it's, I, it's the I, most freedom, least corporate initiative that yeah, we've had. But we, I mean, you know, myself and the Peace and Freedom Party and Cindy Sheehan for governor um, would support, definitely support all of those initiatives. And one thing I, I think about marijuana is um, I put on my Facebook wall because I was thinking about it a few weeks ago, we're so concerned about how our food is grown and, you know, is our food uh, GMO-free? Is it organic? Is it ethically grown um, and picked and distributed? And I was thinking, what about marijuana? You know, is, is <laughs> it's just so, is the marijuana that people smoke, is it from... Um, violence and does it have a lot of pesticides and herbicides and and GMOs and things like that too so that's definitely something that that um, we need to look into and to support definitely and so let's tie the GMO question into your general environmental p- point of view you protested uh, <clears throat> Jerry Brown supported fracking in the oil industry you pro- you were at the march against Monsanto because uh, GMO is a form of pollution when the mutant pollen float floats to the air and contaminates our gardens. Uh, right. what's, what's your general take on that and how Democrats are just uh, environmentalists in name only? Well, um, they, you know, Jerry Brown is uh, for uh, cap and trade, which just is, uh, you know, it's allowing the same amount of pollution. It's mm-hmm. just a scam. It's like... It's a new Wall Street. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say it's like uh, derivatives. It's exactly like derivatives. Yep. And so, um, you know, we're for ending uh, the use of fossil fuels and investing in clean, sustainable, renewable forms of energy, not just ending the use and exploration and production of fossil fuels, but also nuclear um, power. Yep. California has the re- every any place in the world has the resources to use some kind of renewable, sustainable, and clean form of energy. Like, uh, like oh, uh, hemp, hemp. hemp biodiesel. Oh, absolutely. Hemp is just a miracle. And so uh, we have that, we have those resources to do it right now. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do is stop giving tax breaks and credits and um, priority to these evil oil companies. And I think oil companies and Monsanto are the most evil corporations in the world. Um, Monsanto is responsible for so much death and destruction and cancers and illnesses. And we're going to let them have 100% control of our food supply. Agent Orange. Monsanto um, would be banned. Well, I would have to go to the people and I would have to convince the people of California that we need to ban Monsanto from our borders and we need to hold the people. I think Monsanto executives, along with oil company executives and, you know, other evil corporations, they should be on trial. They should be held accountable. They should be in prison. Chelsea Manning shouldn't be in prison. Our our um, jails in California shouldn't be bulging with nonviolent offenders. Yep. These corporate criminals, murderers, they're the ones that should be. Um, so we we don't need as many prisons, but we need, we do do need to keep some open for them. Sure. Uh, and speaking of which, since we're a Pacific Ocean border state as well, 
what would, would you participate in a possible class action lawsuit against TEPCO for all the Fukushima disaster? Oh, absolutely. And right on. I, I would be, um, as governor, we would be testing all the food, all the air. We would be um, holding TEPCO responsible for any uh, illness or environmental uh, compromise here in California. And we would be devoting, uh, instead of devoting our resources to the prison and industrial complex, we would be working with an international community to contain, uh, you know, Fukushima isn't, I don't even know if Fukushima is containable at this point. It's gotten so, it's gone so far. But as a border state that is um, on the Pacific Ocean, I mean, if on, on Friday when they start removing those rods, it won't matter where you are in the northern hemisphere if there's an accident. We're all going to be harmed by that. So, I mean, this is a this is a, an issue of urgency that Jerry Brown, the only thing Jerry Brown has said on it is nuclear power is still safe. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, I, got, I got one last uh, kind of question uh, topic to go over is about civil liberties and the police state. So uh, the Department of Homeland Security has been uh, doling out over a billion dollars a year to state governments and local governments with strings attached, for example, town where I live in, the city council even voted on these grants aside from the, even the state government. And what do the strings attached come with? Oh, 300K to the fire department. The fire department now has to be compliant with the Patriot Act. Whatever mm -hmm. that has to do with fire safety, I don't know. But uh, what, what would you, would you use, uh, you know, 10th Amendment powers to say <clears throat> no to the DHS, to say no to the CIA, say no to the, the DIA and all these other alphabet soup, creepy police uh, in state intelligence uh, surveillance state agencies? Um, to be able to protect our civil liberties, like nullifying the Patriot Act. And unfortunately, uh, what your opponent, uh, uh, Tea Party favorite Donnelly or whatever, he, he, mm -hmm. tried, he tried to champion this thing, but it, it didn't allow for federal agent arresting. So it's kind of toothless. So he could act like he's holding a sword or whatever, a valiant person. But at the same, like, it's like uh, you think NDAA, uh, indefinite detention, that's like a, a Nazi thing, you know, that like, or, or, you know, Israeli thing or whatever, like, you know, the, the typical fascist police state thing of snatching people up. But at the same time, Mr. Donnelly supports the Arizona immigration type. It's like he, he adamantly wants to apply that to California. And what is that? That's a papers, please thing. That's another fascist thing. So how could he claim to support one uh, fascist thing and be against another fascist thing? So, so what would you do as far as civil liberties in the police state and saying no, hell no to the federal government and uh, Bush's Homeland Security Department? Well, we would definitely um, say that. And I mean, I would even go so far as to prevent military recruitment in California. Cool. Uh, not, you know, if kids want to sign up for the, for the military, I mean, they could go to the office. I don't think, I think it's uh, child abuse to prey on our children to join the military. Yep. And, um, you know, not only, I don't really think Tim Donnelly is so much my uh, <laughs> my opponent. <laughs> I'm running against Jerry Brown. Mm -hmm. But Jerry Brown, you know, look who he disappointed as regent of UC system here, Janet Napolitano. Oh, geez. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's just really a scandalous synergy of um, 
the police state, the empire. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just something that, I, you know, I don't really, you know, I hate to be realistic, but I don't think I'm going to beat Jerry Brown. But I really want to talk, have a chance to talk about these issues because our state, I, I was born and raised here. And, um, you know, I was, I was raised during the 60s and 70s when education was free and good from kindergarten to university. And there was a social safety net. And, you know, we were working on these issues about energy and the environment. And now it's just like descended in California has more population than many countries in this world. And it has a bigger economy than most countries in this world. And we could really, God, we could lead the nation and lead the world in um, all these wonderful social reforms. Cal my, my campaign is epic and poverty in California um, elevate peace or enjoy peace in California and the prison industrial complex. <laughs> I mean, we could really like just transform this state into a people's paradise and it can be done because we've done it before. And I mean, that's why people flocked here. Mm -hmm. The weather is fairly good. Uh, the economy was vibrant and exciting. The schools were good. And now um, we had a situation, I don't know what it is now, where more people were leaving than were moving in. And so, I mean, I don't want to, like, have more people live here. We have, it's fine the way it is now. But I want people, uh, I want us to be a model and a roadmap mm -hmm. for other states and communities to do what we can do here. And I'm, I'm really out of time now, Alex. Sure. So it was great to talk to you. And like you said, my website is cindy2014.org. Definitely. Well, I hope uh, we push to get you into the debates in the media so they stop ignoring you and uh, effectively work to get you into that second place for top two so that at least you're in the general. So Cindy Sheehan, candidate for governor, vote for her in June, get her into the top two, and no more or lesser two evils. Thanks again for joining the program. Oh, thank you for having me on again, Alex. That was our guest, Cindy Sheehan, candidate for governor of California. Uh, why don't you all get out and vote June 2014 primary election? Cindy must get into the top two, okay, in order for her to qualify. So go to www.cindy2014.org. Uh, and if you missed any part of this episode or would like to catch up with the full interview uh, with Cindy, candidate for governor of California, please go to the iTunes store tomorrow and search uh, Free Thought and subscribe, Free Thought AAC, or listen to LRN.FM. Okay, but before we go any further, let's have a little music, all right? Um, first up, we have one by Immortal Technique, uh, talking about shedding the oppression of divide and conquer, and then we're going to follow that up with Greed from Toxic, my band, which deals with the money system and its psychological and physical enslavement of the people. And again, one by Immortal Technique, and then Greed by Toxic, right here on KKSM, AM 1320, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network, FreeThoughtMedia.org. Yeah, it's the last call, baby, it was good. Yeah. You know, a remix just feels right, though. Before we get out of here, you gotta drop one last gem on them, though, fam. No question. It's like the elders told me, no one person can do everything, uh -huh. but everyone could do something. So we gotta rep for all that ain't here right now. On the outro tip. 
the one remix. Yo, one enterprises comprises the artists in the sand. The pen and paper place my savior while I'm getting down. Pray for my neighbors as a favor for holding me down. Slave for my papers as I savor the way that it pounds. It's underground with the blatant vibrations while he found. Facing a nation, complacent radio stations now. Stop hesitating and contemplating the way we patient. So I'm motivating and get them playing. It's we saying, ain't no delaying in this war that we getting slated. Cause time's a wasting while we stand adjacent to abrasions. They fails is more than flagrant. And so I see the bridges cages while I pound the pavement. Looking for payment, saying enslavement. Using the tools of old ancients. Announcing my engagement to this music that we making. Ain't no faking on tracks. And we'll never come back. Immortal technique and a kid. Fears to rap. It's like one love, one music, one. In the trenches with my up here A family survived the genocide so we could be here And now we enterprise the aftermath One in the same Living the revolution till we catch one in the brain And even then my spirit will return in heavenly form And wipe the chessboard clean of my enemies' pawns The red dawn communist threat buried and gone So they invented a war that government could carry on It makes me wonder if the word of God is lost in a man this is for the children of Iraq, lost in the sand This is for the illest MCs that'll never be known And this is for all the soldiers that'll never come home I wrote this for Mumia, stuck in the beast For people who march in the streets and struggle for peace For hood born rugged, never rocking Versace Eddie Ramirez, cousin George, and my old friend Sashi Chris from the block, and all my stuck in the cell Paul Wolfowitz, mother. I'll see you in hell. My destiny's to show the world that the music is real. Go back in time and play for the slaves in the field and for my children in the future that are waiting to breathe. People slowly dying, hanging on, waiting to leave. Believe when I'm gone and this album's on a library shelf. I'll be one with God and one with you and everything else. One love, one music, one people, one movement, one heart, one spark. Revolutionary Volume 2 has been brought to you by the type of mother you ain't scared of shit. And if you playing this album and I'm no longer here, sometime far away from when I recorded this, remember that history isn't the way the corporate controlled media made it look like. Read between the lines and free your mind. Revolution is the birth of equality and the antithesis to oppression. But this is only built for real mother so when I'm gone, don't let nobody I never got along with Try to make songs kissing my ass Recycling my beats and my vocals This real over here, man Thank you for listening And thank you for supporting independent hip-hop The heart and soul of our culture Keeping the truth alive Good night, my people Good night KKSM Oceanside I'm sure that it's going to be a hit single. AM 1320, The Radio Revolution.
read works.
again, this is Josh Christian from Toxic. You just listened to two different songs, one from Immortal Technique, the song One, which is happens to be probably my favorite Immortal Technique song. Oddly enough, I didn't program that, but that was a great choice. And Greed, which is uh, the second song, which was from my band Toxic, which we had recorded back in 1989, early on in the formation uh, of what has become the modern bankster elite enslavement. Uh, this, uh, you know, at the time when we wrote that record, uh, it was really just post Reagan. Uh, Papa Bush was in and the writing was on the wall, man. Uh, we saw it coming. You know, people who were paying attention, even if you were only marginally paying attention, you didn't have to be an activist to understand what was going on. Uh, that is actually when the spike in homeless became really apparent. Uh, you know, prior to the 80s and 90s, there was no homelessness. So you, I mean, there was. You certainly you had people living in the streets. But I'm from New York City. I actually grew up, my first 10 years, I grew up on the island of Manhattan and am very aware of when suddenly there were lots of people sleeping in the streets as opposed to one or two one-off, you know, older men that seemed broken down or, you know, your, your stereotype of what the Woody Guthrie bum looked like was still around in the 70s. By mid-80s, late-80s, they didn't look that way anymore. People that they being people who were homeless and living in the streets, suddenly they were a lot closer to my age and I was just a kid. Uh, you've got, you know, moms uh, holding, you know, their kids' hands, you know, with their with the cup out, you know, like we're in Tijuana or something. It was very, very strange. So, again, that time frame where greed came from was really the beginning of where we're at now, in at least the beginning of this latest phase of it. I think that there's a buildup that's trackable up to that point. Um, but I think that you see the, the aggressive assertion of the banking elite, the energy providers, uh, the corporate elite, you know, once the, the post Reagan world, it's just what it is. You know, Tom Hartman loves to blame Reagan for everything. And I don't think he's that far off base. I really think he's, I think he's on point with it. It, it seems that that's when it really all inverted on itself. And suddenly all government was bad. All social spending was bad. Free market, free market, free market. We started hearing the, these terms that really had no meaning. Uh, you know, free market has no meaning. Uh, it's just something to rally the troops behind. 30 years on, 27 years later, just for me personally, again, because I can only speak personally, I see where this is actually headed. If we take the last 20 years and Barring any radical change, hopefully we have that change. Hopefully people like Cindy come into office and, and we start to see more and more true progressivism making its way uh, into the public forum. Because right now there's very, very little progressivism being you know, heard in the mainstream at all. In fact, Cindy's really not mainstream. Let's be honest, right? Cindy is struggling to be heard. They're ignoring her as well. They're doing their best to, to keep Cindy suppressed. They don't want they don't want those voices out there. They they want to put guys like Joe the Plumber out there that are hyper real reality TV stars. They're not real. They're fake reality. So, um, but if we go another twenty years, the way the last twenty years have gone, it's a frightening world uh, in in a real way. So toxic, um, then and now. All right. So again, just picking up where I just left off. So at the time we were writing greed, 
Toxic had sort of gone through its first cycle. We were at the end of, of the first cycle. We really had formed in the early to you know mid-80s, 84, 85 is when it really starts to click. And then by 86, 87, Toxic becomes a real band. Um, we start writing songs that reflect the philosophy of the band. Toxic has always had a philosophy prior to it being called Toxic. I'm not so sure there was much philosophy going on. It was more classic, just sort of heavy metal. And we were singing about what you know most heavy metal was singing about during those days which was motorcycles and cars and girls and what you know again pure escapism but with the advent of post reagan you know world um toxic actually seemed to be art reflecting life uh really at that point you know even as an 18 year old 19 year old guy uh young young person myself i just was reflecting what i was seeing what i was feeling i knew people that were involved in the earlier activism uh people that were you know really straight edge vegans as an example like i was friends with a lot of straight edge people and that was an early wave like they were pretty hip to anarchy they were hip to you know you know ethical treatment of animals not eating meat not just because it's unhealthy but because it's the wrong thing to do um so i was hip to i had luckily i had sort of some influence from some punk friends most of my friends that were in that trip were punk people and that came out in Toxic's music. Even though Toxic wasn't a punk band by any stretch, um, there was definitely an influence in the lyrics, especially uh, from the punk movement. Uh, that was that was intentional. Um, so Toxic uh, w- was a reflection of, personally for me as the main songwriter, what I was seeing and what I was feeling at the time. Uh, and it was interesting when it ended, uh, by 91 we had sort of fizzled, if you look socially, not to not to bring bring too much weight on to toxic, but if you look at what's going on socially, it's almost like the world didn't have room for toxic anymore. Suddenly, Nirvana, which was so so, I love Nirvana. It's great songwriting, but it's so completely self indulgent and completely self absorbed and completely nihilistic in its lack of empathy for anything else except its own feelings. It was woe is me to the 10th power. And Toxic had projected outward. We weren't introverted and inwardly, we weren't looking at each, at ourselves and saying, what about us? What about our generation? We were looking out and saying, hey, this is our generation. What were we doing? And it seemed to me that the 90s momentum in the music industry, both hip hop as well as rock, shut that down. Like there was almost an intentional move from the music industry to get that out of the mainstream as much as possible. And instead, we brought we got this pay-per-view version of Rebellion. And again, I'm not saying that Kurt Cobain wasn't an original thinker and wasn't an original songsmith. He certainly was. None of these cats were pushing anything outward. It was all selfish, you know? Let's go over to the hip-hop. It was about getting paid, getting laid, and not much else. It was about how hard I could be, you know, and all this nonsense. There was no talk. All of a sudden, Public Enemy was gone, right? Public Enemy had disappeared off the face of the map. Public Enemy had a message. Why did Public Enemy suddenly become unpopular? Why did that go out? Well, I I guess, you you know, that's conspiracy, I suppose, a little bit there, you know. But it, it sure did feel like there was an intentional whitewash in the music industry during the 90s. Now, obviously, Immortal Technique came out of that. Post, you know, coming late 90s, that's when Immortal Technique starts to show up, right? We start to see this movement again back to away from the the hyper reality, away from the plastic 
and and back to something a little more visceral, a little more serious. And again, it swung back a little bit. And I'm really glad to see that it did. But it's not like when Mortal Technique changed the, the face of hip-hop. Hip-hop went right along being as facile and as reality TV as it could be, as has heavy metal, for the most part, American metal especially. I, I, I don't see it as really snapping back yet. So maybe bringing it back around now, train of thought, Toxic coming back 2013. I don't know. It feels like a good time for us. It feels like a good time for me personally. I find a lot of people that are receptive to my ideas. I have a lot of friends online through social media. I'm not being called a libtard and a, and a commie as much anymore. I find that I'm, I'm getting a lot more people or I'm finding a lot more folks out there that are responsive and receptive to different ideas. And even my more hardened, what I would consider mainstream right, which is really kind of most of America, right? Most of America is really, whether they realize it or not, have been pushed way off to the right at this point. We're all hung up on, you know, you know, supporting the troops and 9-11 and protect the cops. I mean, there's this whole ethos that goes on now on the security state. But there's always a snapback. There's always a pushback. And I think that I look at you, Alex, I think of people like you, and there's a there's a growing reversal of a trend going on here. It's just a matter of time until the corporatopia picks up on it and tries to co-opt it again. They're going to try to buy your show. They're going to try to give me a big advance for my record and then water down my lyrics. It's coming again. This is They'll do it again because it's not in their best interest. But I think we're kind of at a point right now where – some truth is getting through, and it's one part because people are sick of what they've been dealing with, um, but it's also a matter of function. It's just the yin to the yang. After a while, you've got to speak up. You have to say something. You have to, and it's, it's good for people like us that there are cycles because if the, you know, if the unsustainable growth of insatiable capital isn't managed we're, it's a dead end. You, you know, the tree, there is no tree in the forest. Its roots grow out so wide and canopy grows so tall that it wipes out all of the trees. That tree doesn't exist in nature. This system doesn't exist in a natural plane or a natural world. We cannot continue the way we are continuing. It has to change. So I think, you know, present day is a perfect time for Toxic, like a band like Toxic, even though we're a little bit older now and, you know, we've been around for a while, um, we've had a chance to live. I still think what we have to say is relevant. And I think the pendulum has swung back and people are, are maybe ready to hear it. I think it's a good time for us. So we've been busy over the last eight months writing, uh, working out the songs, getting it together, uh, putting it together in a real way so that it's not just, you know, a bunch of ideas sort of thrown out uh it, there's there's we've been forming it and it's taken a little bit longer than we probably would have liked it to uh, and there's a couple reasons for that there's logistics involved we, we live pretty far apart but more than anything else we really want to get it right we, you know we waited 20 years to put out an album if we wait another three months to make it really the right record it's okay I, that's how i feel anyway and anyway i've got a, a little teaser here for folks this is a a, a Premiere. No one else has heard this. This is the first time this is being heard. This is an exclusive for Free Thought Radio. This is a sample of all of the toxic songs on the upcoming record. There won't be much vocals on it. You're not going to hear a whole lot of solo guitar. It's just song snippets. But this is uh, this is a snapshot of new toxic.
go, man. So I, I hope you guys like that. It was, uh, it's been, like I said, eight months in the making and, and we're really, really hoping for the best for not just the band, but for also for toxic fans, friends that have waited for us for a long time. We're hoping that they're as happy with it as we are. We are liking it. Um, obviously there's been a couple of member changes. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Jason Bittner is playing drums. Uh, Ralph Santola or Santala, uh, is that it's actually pronounced properly, uh, from obituary, deicide, death, fame, uh, uh, millennium is playing second guitar and playing guitar. I, I don't want to say second guitar cause that would sort of denote that he's somehow below me, not next to me. And that's not, that's the farthest thing from the truth. The guy's freaking ridiculous. And I'm, really happy to have him in the band um he's just a great player and, and an awesome human being um and so, and so the same thing with jason jason uh, i just finished up working on the tracks with jason he's actually going in to do the hard tracks tomorrow for the record he starts recording so timing wise this is pretty good it begins in the morning with jason um he and i did a session yesterday and it's he's just on fire the drums are going to be phenomenal um i miss tad Tad is the original drummer from Toxic, and he's a brother. Love the guy, man. He's so busy. He's got so much stuff going on. Time just wasn't right for him to be involved in the record. So Jason ended up doing it, and it's interesting because Jason actually took lessons from Tad. So there's a little lineage, you know, going on there. It wasn't like he was completely left field. And interestingly enough uh, about Ralph, too, Ralph um, was around on the first recording of World Circus. I met Ralph during the recordings of World Circus. He lives down in Tampa, Florida, right near Morristown, where we recorded. Um, and I had actually wanted Ralph to play guitar in Toxic for Think This. When we were thinking about a second guitar, Ralph was the first choice, but because he was in Tampa, it just, at that point, we didn't have the internet the way we do now, where we could Skype and get things done. So it just logistically didn't make sense. But he'd have been the guitar player, honestly. He'd have been the second guitar player on Think This if I had had my way. So Ralph as well. There's lineage with Ralph coming back to the, coming into the fold um, on this record. Charlie's gone. Charlie was the singer. Charlie Sabin was the singer on the second record on Think This. Um, Mike is back, the singer from the first album, from World Circus. Uh, again, more a matter of logistics than anything else. Uh, there's no hostilities between Charlie and us uh, or the band in any way. In fact, I think he's pretty excited for us. And there's a very good chance that down the road, Charlie may end up on some recorded material as well. You know, depending on how this first record goes, if it goes well, we get out, we tour, people receive us well. Um, I'd like to think that there's a second record in there for us. And when we do the second record, I will definitely get Charlie involved in it, man. We'd love to have Charlie sing on at least one or two songs. I think that would be pretty it. I want to do, do a duet between Mike and Charlie. That would be sick. KKSM Oceanside. Hey, man, you got any peas or beans or anything like that? AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. Fact. The new NSA data center in Utah requires 1.7 million gallons of water every single day to operate. Billions of Fourth Amendment violations need massive computers and the water to cool them. That water is being supplied by the state of Utah. Fact. There's absolutely nothing in the Constitution which requires your state to help the feds violate your rights. Our message to Utah? Turn it off. No water equals no NSA data center. Visit off now 
www.thepatriotsocialnetwork.org. The Free Thought Media Network is supported by Amaji Metals through their affiliate program. The Amaji Metals banner at freethoughtmedia.org contains a link that gives a portion of sales to us. Amaji is a retailer of alternative currencies to hedge against and divest out of the collapsing U.S. dollar, printed out of thin air by the private Federal Reserve bankers who use inflation to pay for their wars. Amaji has gold, silver, copper, and even $50 trillion in Bobwe notes. Amaji accepts traditional forms of payment as well as Bitcoin. Our specialized Amaji link can be found on the Amaji Metals banner at freethoughtmedia.org. See why the government's cracking down. Introducing the two drugs that are legal, alcohol and cigarettes, two drugs that do nothing for you whatsoever. And drugs that grow naturally upon this planet. Drugs that open your eyes up to make you realize how you're being f***ed every day of your life. Those drugs are against love. <laughs> Free Thought Radio, waking you up to the fact that you're being screwed by the system every day of your life since 2010. Only on KKSM AM 1320, the radio revolution, and LRN.FM, the radio network, freethoughtmedia.org. And having the new guys in the band has been great. Um, I personally have been, just in the last month or so, I actually had a, a little bit of a health scare. Um, I'd had a heart attack. Uh, I'd had a, a, a clogged artery back in 07 that required a, a heart stent be put in, a one stent. And um, I had a little bit of problems with that stent uh, a few weeks back. I was sitting here playing my guitar right in this chair and suddenly basically felt like I hit my funny bone in my chest, which is about as weird of an experience as you can have. But that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like something popped. And then I had a really intense rush of heat and pain and my stent had collapsed. Uh, So uh, I had to go in and have it fixed and i gotta tell you that that <laughs> it was quite an experience firsthand dealing with the american medical system uh in my little city of syracuse new york edge of the rust belt edge of edge of eternity here or edge of nowhere depending on which side of the edge you're on our medical our uh, health facilities here are Top of the line. If you actually look us up, you'll see, especially, I, I don't really want to get into mentioning names because I don't want to get sued, but one of the places, the first place I went to is actually one of the premier cardiac facilities in the country. Now, I'll be quite honest with everyone here. I don't have health insurance. Shocker. Um, I work for myself. I'm self-employed. After my heart attack in 07, I can't touch the premiums. I can't, I can't even get close to what it would cost me for health insurance. Uh, most of the quotes I was getting was, were over $2,000 a month. It would be over $2,000 a month, and they didn't cover anything to do with cardio. So I would be paying full insurance but have nothing, no coverage at all. So I had absolutely no follow-up in 07. I didn't have any therapy. I didn't have any anything. Um, this time around, I, I, I was a little bit 
more compliant with my doctors. Um, I've actually done the meds for the last three weeks. I stayed on the meds. You know, I didn't do the meds for seven years. I, I had no second heart attack, no second, no problems at all. I really think that my issue came from me sort of slipping off of my diet and not taking care of myself. So the message, the, the moral to my story right now is, is do take care of yourself because that's the best health insurance you can have. But getting back to the facility that I went to and, and the procedures that I endured and the treatment that I had, which was really the main thing. Um, as I lay on my back with this failed piece of equipment in my chest, I had a cardiologist come in who was out of shape himself. It's not important that he was morbidly obese because there's a lot of reasons that he could be morbidly obese. And I don't want to pick at someone for that. That's, you know, that's not cool. And that's not what I'm doing. But as a cardiologist, this guy did not embody what I would see as someone who's in touch with their physical being, in touch with what their heart needs to be. Again, looking at him, you could see that the only thing keeping this guy alive is his Lipitor prescription, is his blood thinners, okay? He's on the same cocktail that he insisted that I go on to. He wanted to give me a medicated stent. I wouldn't take the medicated stent because that requires a lifetime of a drug to maintain it at that point. I made him give me a bare metal stent. He fought me on that. Did not want to give me that bare metal stent. Absolutely not. You know, these the medicated stents are much better. Well, doctor, what's better about the medicated stent? They're just better. That's not an answer. What makes them better? Well, they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, it's an eluding stent. It does this, it does. I've got a problem with one stent that was kind of, at the time, sort of new. Um, that was the one they put in 07. This is not a science that they have down yet. So he basically was trying to get me to take this stent in place of a bare metal stent, which we know works well, in my opinion, because he wanted me to take the Plavix for the rest of my life, because I would have to then take that drug. And, I, and I'm not kidding you. I, I don't know if it was that. I don't want to infer that there was malice here or, or that he was trying to collect more cash. I mean, that's entirely possible. Again, I want to be very careful how I talk about this, because I don't know down the road how, you know, I've got to be careful, right? I don't want to get blacklisted by cardiologists everywhere. They'll be like, this is the guy that talked crap about our, our buddy. But I got to be honest with you. The guy clearly seemed more motivated in a long-term treatment than an actual treatment. Insisting, again, I'd have to be on this stuff for at least a year. If I took the medicated stent, that I would be on this other one for a lifetime. There's no, you know, and, and giving me a lecture on it as well. There's no reason not to take these. Uh, Lipitor, as an example, I don't mind talking about Lipitor, is the number one selling drug in the country. Plavix is number two. Is it a, a coincidence that he was ready to put me on the, num the one-two punch cocktail? Is it, is it an accident? I don't know. It's hard to know. Uh, when there's a profit motive involved, and this is my problem with having profit in the medical system at all. When there's a profit motive involved, these questions come up. I can't have confidence in my doctor because I'm not sure what my doctor's real motivation is. And it's that simple. Okay. And it was an unnerving experience. I, there were other, uh, there were other people that I encountered through the process that were equally disinterested in me as a human being and much more interested in me as a unit of work that they were applying themselves to, especially some of the younger people, um, some of the younger nurses, some of the younger doctors, there was zero empathy in their, in their voice, zero smile in their eyes. They smiled at their mouth only. It, it was, you know, perfunctory at best. 
And they looked at me with my no insurance like a pariah. How do we get, how do we make money from this cat? That's what I really came down to. That's how it seemed to me. He doesn't have good insurance, so he can't pay for all the top of the line testing. So how do we maximize profit on this guy going forward? Well, being that he's under state care or federal care, the trick is, is to get him on this medication and have him to come back for continual testing. Have you come back? Now you're on a drug that you've got to take forever. You've got to come back and, and up the dosages for. Now I'm on the treadmill. Now I'm coming back in intervals of every three or four months. And maybe he didn't make as much from me on that first procedure, but he's going to make it up over the next five years that way. And I really, again, I that may be super cynical of me. That may be just terrible of me and totally wrong. Um, but I don't know. How do and how can any of us know when profit is at the bottom of their game. I had more than one person say to me, why, why is this happening? And Because that, that's what this costs. Why didn't I have this test? Because that test costs too much, but we can get just as much done with this test. Well, if you can get just, just as much done with this test, what do we need this other test at all for? You see, and there, and there was just, it was endless. For the logical person to be stuck in this situation, it's really frustrating because it's one dead end after another. You know you're being played. You know you're being manipulated, and you're now being you're part of it. You're you're part of the energy. I'm part of the gas that's in this engine of profit, and I don't like being gas. <laughs> I don't like being that. I don't like being the thing, the car that these guys are going to work on. I, it, no more regard for me than a Buick. No no interest in me as a human being. My wrist, not to go on. My wrist. They destroyed my wrist with putting in the catheter. Now, I've had one of these before, so I've been through this before. I know what a, a gentle catheterization feels like. There was no bruising. There was no nothing. This time, when I woke up, I had a band on my wrist that was so tight, my hand was yellow and bulging all around it. And I said to the guys, I said, look, I'm a virtuoso guitar player. This is like what I do for, for my life. This doesn't feel right on my hand. Their response, leave it alone. Like I was 10 years old. Leave it alone? I just told you that this thing is choking my hand off. My hand is bright yellow and puffy. This doesn't feel right. I think, you know, it's too tight. Don't touch it. Well, needless to say, I popped it right off. You know, and I took it right off. And the guy flipped. What are you doing? Ah! Nothing happened. I took it off. My wrist is fine, except for the horrible bruising and contusions that I got from that freaking band. I reading this morning. It turns out that if you're in shape, if you're in, in decent physical shape before you have a stint, place, depending on the nature of your heart attack, your MI, you should get back to exercise right away. Um, like within a day or two, in fact, if you can, if you can muster it. Now that's not to say that you should go out and run a triathlon, but if you're someone who has been running, like I, you know, it's, I had my stent collapse three Sundays ago, the Wednesday before that, I had just run four or five miles. I'd gone out for a run. It was warm out that day and ran for four miles. So clearly my heart muscle is fine. I, I, have, a, I have another problem. I have a problem with dealing with animal fats and processing fats. So there was no mention of any exercise. There, on, the, on the list that they sent me home, uh, on my instructions that they sent me home with, I should say, uh, it listed five prescriptions that I had to take, couldn't come, couldn't come off of them. A diet which consisted of ice cream if I wanted it, as long as it was fat-free, margarine instead of butter, diet soda instead of soda, 
Aspartame is very clearly uh, 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 an antagonist to people with heart conditions. Why would you give someone, why would you prescribe someone? As I'm in the hospital, they're bringing me Dan and yogurt, third ingredient in, aspartame. Okay? You should see what they're giving. So there's, it goes beyond not being holistic. Once again, is it intentional? Is there, is, is there a reason that they ignore, that the medical profession on the whole seems to ignore what has become really basic understandings about nutrition and about how your body reacts to, to certain foods. I mean, it's pretty well understood science. It's not, it's not hippy dippy tree hugging. And I hate to say things like that because that's really derogatory, but you know, that's how people think out there. There's still that, you know, post-World War II mentality of, ah, you hippie bastard, stop, go eat your twigs and your seeds. Meanwhile, meanwhile, these people are living on a diet of, hormone, you know, infected beef and, uh, you know, horrible manipulated dairy products and sweeteners. And, and it's like the hyper-reality thing, Alex. I always come back to hyper-reality. It's the reality and it's the layer of reality that we put over reality to make this reality work. And, you know, the postmodernists believe that hyper-reality is actually more real than reality because you live within it. And I guess, in a way, there's a truth to that because perception is 100% of what your reality is. If I perceive myself as being healthy, well, then I'm healthy until I'm not healthy. And then all of a sudden my perception changes. But we have this sort of opinion-based bubble existence that we're all in, a lot of us anyway. Um, and not to bring it full full trip around, but I guess we're back to the, the information thing, right? 25 years now, 30 years of Reaganomics and supply-side economics have left us in a situation where market is making decisions on our health, on our treatments, on our lifestyles. These are market decisions. These aren't human decisions. These aren't sensible, thoughtful decisions. They're market decisions. Profit knows no common sense. Profit knows more profit. And if, you, if you're in that cycle of we have to make more money than we made last year for our company, I think we touched on this the last time we talked, the, the continual growth cycle, endless growth. I've got to be 15. My company needs to be 15% over where it was last year to keep my shareholders happy. Well, in five years, six years, you've, got, you've gone 100% past where you started and you're still not happy. You're still looking for your next 15%. That lacks common sense. That lacks a natural approach. When I go to Google and I read the Japanese approach to heart disease, and which is what I actually suffer from, it's entirely different. It is totally, totally a different approach. It is based on stress management, diet, uh, exercise, uh, combinations therein, very little medication. Their treatment protocol is a dovetail. How quickly can they get you off of the medication? Where ours is exactly the opposite. How quickly can we get you on it? And how steadily can we ramp you up on it? How long, how long can we maintain your health until you become so sick from what we've been maintaining your health with that you need this next layer of drugs? And I, you know, type two diabetes comes to mind. Uh, uh, all of the externalities that come from an overprescribed lifestyle. You know, the average American is taking an American adult over the age of fifties takes thirteen pills a day. Thirteen, okay. 
how long can your body sustain that sort of attack? How long is it before the toxicity gets to a point where we need to add the 14th and the 15th pill to counter the 11th and 12th pill? And it's this bizarre cycle of, you know, better living through chemistry, improving on nature until you're dead. And it's just a really, really bizarre life cycle that we've kind of accepted. Uh, we're going to take a break here real quick, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of moments. K-A-S-M. Am I driving okay? I think we're fine, yeah. On your radio at AM 1320, on your TV at Cox Cable 957, and online at PalomarCollegeRadio.com. KASM, the radio revolution. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, or EFF, fights to protect your rights in the digital world. When a patent troll threatened podcasters, they fought back. EFF has also defended your right to encryption and has sued the NSA to end the government's mass suspicionless surveillance. There are different ways you can help EFF, from donations to signing petitions to writing your representatives to just spreading the word. Find out more at EFF.org. That's EFF.org. The Free Thought Media Network is supported by Amaji Metals through their affiliate program. The Amaji Metals banner at freethoughtmedia.org contains a link that gives a portion of sales to us. Amaji is a retailer of alternative currencies to hedge against and divest out of the collapsing U.S. dollar, printed out of thin air by the private Federal Reserve bankers who use inflation to pay for their wars. Amaji has gold, silver, copper, and even $50 trillion in Bobwe notes. Amaji accepts traditional forms of payment as well as Bitcoin. Our specialized Amaji link can be found on the Amaji Metals banner at freethoughtmedia.org. Since time began, tyrants have taken aim at personal liberties. Now there's a movie that aims back. The government has no more right to tell us what to put in our bodies than they have to take our guns or tell us what books we can read. I wonder how prohibitionists would feel if they saw medical marijuana vastly improve the life of someone dear to them. Today, many cops who enforce pot laws do so only because it provides them with cushy jobs, good benefits, and a chance to push people around. I was an undercover narcotics officer. The drug war is nothing but a farce. Six drug police were eaten by bears while raiding a marijuana farm. On your knees, you dirty hippies! Jesus. On your knees! What's the problem, officer? The Second Amendment says you gotta keep you and your gat intact. Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom. A film by Michael W. Dean and Nima Vidati. Available from gunsandweed.com. When they point the finger at you, brother man, this is what you gotta tell them. I'm not guilty. You're the one who's guilty. Lawmakers, the politicians, the Colombian drug lords, all you who lobby against making drugs legal, just like you did with alcohol during the prohibition. You're the one who's guilty. I mean, come on, let's kick the ballistics here. Ain't no Uzis made in Harlem. Not one of us in here owns a poppy feed. This thing is bigger than immortal technique. This is big business. This is the American way. Free Thought Radio. Independent music, independent talk, and independent minds. Freethoughtmedia.org. 
Again, this is Josh Christian from Toxic. Uh, this has been a, a, a really awesome program to be a part of um, for a lot of reasons. I, I touched on it before. I think the younger generation with its familiarity of uh, social media uh, specifically has in a way begun the process of getting back to real communication. Your show is a perfect example. Um, we have been inundated with false reality for a long time. And I think that there's a, a move to go back to reality, real reality. And programs like this make that possible. You know, when you've got people who are really speaking from the heart, Cindy is, you know, there's no pretense there. She's not putting on, she's not a product. She, she isn't, you know, getting together with her publicist or, you know, with her, you know, her promoter. Uh, she doesn't have a team of makeup artists traveling with her. There's something organic about her that I think people are hungry for. I think there's a lot of us out there that are tired of the fast food approach to life. We want to get back to something that's more sustainable and more real. That doesn't mean we have to give up our technology. That doesn't mean we have to go back to living, you know, like cave people. That's a total misconception. In fact, that's the that's the the capital trying to play down what the true essence of our life should be. We've we've followed this artificial model for so long that there's a rebellion going on in society you see it I, I have to use this example when you see organic food in the store when you go into mainstream food markets that now have growing organic sections our local or our, our local supermarket went from having this little teeny tiny section of organic and like over the last five years it's just gone until now it's almost like half the store Okay, Wegmans, that's actually Wegmans, yay Wegmans. I give them total props for being progressive and going with the trend. They, they carry lots of local produce. Um, they're actually giving my co-op a run for their money at this point because they're carrying the same stuff that, you know, we're carrying at the co-op, and they're, they're actually giving us a better price. This show is awesome because it allows true communication to happen. It allows people to, to think and to interact. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you giving me a chance to come on here and talk like this. I, you know, I don't, again, most of the interviews that I do ask me about the band and about the music and, you know, it's pretty segmented and it's there's specific information that they, you know, the, the interviewer wants and I give it to them and it's great. I love doing it, but this is different. And I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. But one thing I'd like to just mention really quickly, um, but I didn't talk about it at all. Um, is the ongoing wars uh, that our nation is waging globally. You know, we, we know about Iraq, we know about Afghanistan, um, we have an inkling of what's going on in Pakistan, but our 800 bases abroad are not there for lip service or for show. Um, there's an agenda. We're, we're, we've been busy for a long time. Uh, we, as a nation, the leadership, the corporate leadership specifically, Henry Wallace, uh, who actually was uh, FDR, uh, I think he was his secretary. I forget what he did for FDR, but he was a wonderful guy, progressive, total progressive, um, at odds with all of the, the military brass of the day. They called him a communist. They really gave him a, a terrible time. Uh, Truman, Truman despised him. Um, again, called him a commie, called him a lefty. Called, you know, he actually had a black secretary that he traveled with. You know, and and he it got you know abused. They got terrible times when they were down south, and, and when he traveled with her in the deep south. But the guy was a a, a real forward thinking, true progressive, 
right at the same time that the military industrial complex was really coming into into form when it was making its move you know again if you look at the last two centuries in this nation's history you can actually see the staging of how this has gone and the growth of the military industrial complex complex post world war ii the timing of that has everything to do with the way the 60s and 70s then went after it and then the 80s and the 90s after that there's been a staging that's been going on and our perpetual war for perpetual peace modality that this country is involved in that's a gore vidal quote actually gore vidal has a book called perpetual war for perpetual peace he wrote a, a it was, it's an essay it's a, it's a really small like novella it's awesome it's great it's gore vidal being witty and sardonic and biting and he's older at this point he's got nothing to lose and he's just calling it for what it is and i recommend it to anyone that wants a, a good read um on the subject but this has been staged up and what we're seeing now are the later stages of this industrial complex um these are wars for profit very clearly uh and it makes money for the contractors it makes money for the corporations that are supplying the equipment and the toys um every bit of technology that comes along gets weaponized before it gets anything else it goes through a weaponization process we are so completely in, in, involved in killing one another that potentially wonderful technology comes and goes all the time because it didn't have a great application for killing your neighbor so it gets it gets squandered and we don't see it it's like cutting down the rainforest before you've had a chance to figure out what the rainforest has to offer all of these short-sighted capitalist ventures i got to go back to what i believe it is and i find that i actually agree with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, anarcho uh, free market people i do uh, i don't I, I need to not you know draw so many lines in the sand for myself but the americana version of capitalism which is not capitalism at all in the way you're thinking about it but i would argue that it is actually capitalism it's just the end stages of it you know rockefeller dupont uh carnegie these guys had no regulation they had a protected territory they had all the resources they needed they had slave labor they had everything they needed for me personally in my the way i think about things i am a true leftist when it comes down to that and i do believe in a mutual aid society i do believe in a society that is better off helping one another uh rather than trying to exploit one another and at the end of the day that for me is really the most important message that we get out there our wars for profit are not helping anyone except for the small small minority that actually gains from those conflicts um our destruction of the rainforests globally has no real gain except for the short short term gain of a extreme minority in our numbers it just doesn't make sense it lacks common sense so the wars in this that we wage in this in the name of american business interests for lack of a, a better way of saying it because you never hear anybody talk about it's a war for democracy anymore i i i think they've actually given up on that nobody even talks about that anymore you never hear that um they're protecting american interests they just say it flat out protecting american interests i i don't see how killing american kids protects american interests unless we're talking about a specific american that we're interested in their interests <laughs> it's a very small group of people that are their interests are involved in that so war the the our war efforts in this country need to stop because they're just singularly destructive with no end in sight and with no common sense attached to them whatsoever it seems to me cruelty for the sake of cruelty in the name of profit which is truly a sin
And you know, the new the new record, um, the new record will certainly wrestle with a lot of what we've talked about here. Uh, mostly, the record is about being absorbed, uh, being part of this hyper reality that we're all born into and never question. There's a great Palm Olive ad back in the 70s that said, you're soaking in it, okay? And the point was is that the woman had her hands soaking in dishwashing liquid and it was gentle enough to not destroy her hands. And it was so gentle, in fact, that she didn't even know she was soaking in it. Well, when you put the frog in the boiling pot of water, he'll jump out. But when you heat the water up when the frog's in it, he doesn't realize it and he boils with the water. We're soaking in it right now. We are soaking in it. And that's what the new Toxic Record is about. Actually, then the working title right now, this is also new, no one else has heard this, is Inhumanity. And that's the working title. And it's basically about what we've talked about here, being born into a system that you have no decision, no control, no choice in. It's, it's been thrust upon you. You participate within it. Chances are you come and go. No one remembers you when you're gone. You are truly a profit unit period. Um, you matter to your family, you matter to your friends, you don't matter to anyone else. The overall arc of our culture now is to be profitable uh, for the minority. And that's what the record's about. The record is actually about that process, about being born into it, being a slave to it, and then dying without ever really even realizing that that was the game that you that played, that that was the hand that you'd been dealt. And that's going to be what it's about. And if you're interested in the toxic record, which I hope a lot of you will be, um, we're going to be selling. It's I don't have a, a direct outlet for you right now, and I'll tell you why. Um, we are talking to a couple of different labels. At first, we were going to release it ourselves and forego the whole label thing, skip the middleman, and just go straight out. But there is an advantage to having a label because we are actually going to be touring. We weren't going to do that originally. So now that we've introduced the touring idea, Having the label may make a lot more sense. So there's a little bit of a pause on where to get the record when it comes out. Certainly, ToxicMetal.com is our website, um, which is actually just it's just opening up as we speak. It'll be opening up this week. Um, there's merchandise on there as well. Uh, and you can find us on Facebook, uh, Toxic2013 on Facebook. Um, we're on Twitter as well, Toxic Twitter. But I know we have a Twitter account. The bass players take care of that. So until... We meet again until we speak again. This is Josh Christian signing off, Free Thought Radio. Keep thinking, folks. It's the only defense we have. Thank you. Awesome, and a big thank you to Josh Christian, lead guitarist of Toxic, one of my favorite bands, Real Treat, guest hosting this show for tonight. That was really awesome. So before we get go any further, uh, we're going to have a music break, but first I want to play a quick snippet of some new toxic that they've actually released we played a, a quick minute long preview of uh toxic stuff that you never heard before but this is what they released on soundcloud and this is a guitar solo so you can actually hear what it's like and it's crazy shreddy good times
a preview of Crooked Crosses by Toxic. And again, Josh Christian was the guest host for tonight, and the guest Cindy Sheehan was in the first hour. Uh, go to the podcast tomorrow on iTunes Store. Search for Free Thought, and then subscribe to Free Thought AAC if you want to. If you miss the interview with Cindy Sheehan, candidate for governor of California. But right now, I want to play two songs. Uh, first one is by Kaye Thirteen. It's a song called Multiviral. It's featuring Julian Assange of WikiLeaks. What? Tom, yeah, Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine, and a uh, Palestinian singer by the name of Camila Gibran. So awesome. And then after that, Free Energy uh, by Luminaries here on KKSM. Sounds interesting. The Radio Revolution and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. <laughs> Freethoughtmedia.org. Empieza con una llamarada cuando despedimos llamas de nuestras miradas Quieren detener el incendio que se propaga Pero hay fuegos que con agua no se apagan Y se acerca la línea policíaca, los músculos se tensan Y aumenta la frecuencia cardíaca, suben los niveles de testosterona Y empieza ese momento en el que se enfrentan las personas Cuando somos amigos del coraje, cuando gritar se convierte en nuestro único lenguaje a mí me ordena la razón, a ti te ordena un coronel Si nuestra lucha es de cartón, la de ustedes es de papel Y no nos paran, porque un mensaje contundente Convierte a cualquier teniente en un tiburón sin dientes El Estado nos teme, porque al mismo tiempo somos 132 y 15 M Si la prensa no habla, nosotros damos los detalles Pintando las paredes, con aerosol en las calles Levanto mi pancarta y la difundo Con solo una persona que la lea, ya empieza a cambiar el mundo Cualquier pregunta que tengamos la adormecen Son las mentiras recalentadas Nos alimentan con carne procesada Y la gente sigue desinformada Una noticia mal contada es un asalto a mano armada Nos infiltramos, nos duplicamos Como las células nos multiplicamos Al que no quiere caldo se le dan dos tazas Somos la levadura que levanta la masa Nuestras ideas son libres y están porque pensamos con las puertas abiertas Lo que no se ve lo estamos viendo Nacimos sin saber hablar Pero vamos a morir diciendo En la sota me pillé Cuda, 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 cuda
in the world with your propaganda made. But where you think you are strong, you are weak. Your lies tell us the truth we will use against you. Your secrecy shows us where we will strike. Your weapons reveal your fear for all to see. From Cairo to Quito, a new world is forming. The power of people armed with the truth. And still his presence lives in the heart of visionary invention Over 5,000 patents censored Researching zero-point energy Trying to get through delirium The unified field theory of Nassim Harriman And every day we carry in the burden of our past Water fuel cars, we no longer need the gas So many solutions right here in your face Raw earth energy, create what rejuvenates Green walls and green roofs, grow plants on everything Magnetic movements, don't need gas for anything Rockets doing our own research, paying out of pocket, bike powered stages, you pedal in our rocket, fully access to techie knowledge, green power over big profit, you can't stop it. K, K, S, M, 
Radio. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio on the Free Thought Media Network. Here with Free Thought host Mike Pastor. Yo. I'm the journalist of Free Thought Media Network, Alex Fiddle. And we had Josh Christian, the lead guitarist of Toxic, guest hosting the show for the past hour and a half, along with uh, our wonderful guest, Cindy Sheehan, candidate for governor of California. Last two songs you heard were Free Energy by the Luminaries, and then before that, Multiviral by Kaye13, uh, featuring Julian Assange of WikiLeaks, Tom Morello of Rage, and Palestinian singer Camila Gibran. Awesomeness. But... Time for the news. It's time for the news on the radio, the most popular medium of the day. Aha. In state news. Santa Cruz, California. Panda, People Against the National Defense Authorization Act, takes on the National Defense Authorization Act in Santa Cruz. The Romero Institute, a nonprofit law law firm, is spearheading... A mission to strengthen an anti-National Defense Authorization Act Santa Cruz resolution passed in April 2012 through its project, the campaign to make Santa Cruz a constitution protection zone. Last Wednesday, the group organized an anti-NDAA event at the Resource Center for Nonviolence with People Against the NDAA director Dan Johnson as the keynote speaker. Now on to national news. Glenn Greenwald, uh, uh, known for uh, Snowden, uh, that whole that whole deal, uh, who ran off to Russia to you know pretty much save his own skin, he probably would have been in jail now too. Uh, anyways, Glenn Greenwald is uh, writing uh, at the Guardian about uh, Barrett Brown, who uh, was arrested and thrown in jail for get this, posting a link to WikiLeaks. About mil- oh, no, it wasn't. It was it was posting a link that was already publicly available on a f- internet forum. So basically, you know, if you were yeah, so but he was posting it from uh, on a forum that he was linking to. But wasn't that a link originally from WikiLeaks or no? Yeah, it was. It was an anonymous hack of the Strat Four with the credit card information. Okay, no, it was anonymous that leaked it. It wasn't Wiki. Oh, okay, all right. Well, anyway, so uh, Glenn Greenwald, uh, uh, you know, wrote, wrote a little article about Barrett Brown. In uh, encouraging people to donate to his uh, defense funds, uh, his defense fund, and you can do that at freebarrettbrown.org. You see, the situation he's in right now is that he has a public defender problem with public pretender. Yes, exactly. Most people would call it a public pretender. So he's in a Texas prison, and uh, and he's still actually working behind bars here to try to you know uh, you know expose these secret relationships between you know intelligence firms and and federal agencies and all that. You know, generally exposing the uh, military indu- industrial complex. Uh, he originally started doing this uh, back in 2009 when he created Project PM, and that's what the whole thing was about. And uh, yeah, so if you know if you do have the ability to you know donate a couple bucks to help uh, you know uh, Barrett Brown get an actual uh, you know uh, attorney, do help him out because this is you know he's gonna, he's they're trying to throw him away for a long time on this. And the PayPal address that you plug into PayPal is donate. At freebarrettbrown.org, and it's with two R's and two T's. Barrett with two R's and two T's. Donate at freebarrettbrown.org. Plug that into PayPal and donate away. Furtherly, in national news, 
Furtherly, I like that. That's a word. Democratic Senator Jay Rockefeller. That's interesting. When a Rockefeller is a senator from the Democratic Party, you know both parties are controlled by the 1%. So time to put those parties down. Rockefeller sandwiches cybersecurity as an amendment to the NDAA. Now, Rockefeller has tried to pass cybersecurity before. He was the, he, he was the senator to say that the Internet should have never been invented since the Internet helped, has helped expose many of his brother's involvement in controversial groups like Bilderberg and the Council on Foreign Relations. Senator Rockefeller is now sandwiching cybersecurity into the NDAA, which also allows for the indefinite detention of any person without charge or trial, including U.S. citizens. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like... Uh, I have called that an evil sandwich. Yeah, that's definitely an evil sandwich. Uh, you know, but this this is this is your typical government for you. Uh, I had a couple cool people borrow that for me, so it's a good term. Evil sandwich? I know. I just go. If if two people use it, it's a word, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, that's typical government is like, hey, so we've got this bill that we're gonna do, and you know, it's just it's about cybersecurity. It's for your own good. It's to help you out. It's to protect you from the bad guys. But really, you know, somewhere in the middle there, on like page, you know, uh, nine thousand nine hundred eighty-eight section. You can be indefinitely detained, and now we're gonna censor the internet. Exactly. Yeah. In section 5225B, you know, point eight nine zero nine subsection F, it says, yeah, yeah you can be indefinitely <laughs> detained for, you know, uh, saying something nasty about uh, the CIA or something. I don't know. Why don't you take us over to Rocky Mountain High where a prediction that I made came true? The feds uh, raid uh, Denver dispensaries after promising not to raid them anymore. <laughs> Um, okay, so a little bit of history on this. So a couple years ago, uh, Eric Holder, the uh, attorney general, said, okay, we're not going to, you know, maliciously go after uh, marijuana dispensaries. In Known as the Ogden Memo. Yeah, he he, went, he said, we're not going to go after marijuana dispensaries anymore if a state says that it's medically legal or whatever. He said that a couple years ago, and he kept doing it. So funny thing is... He said it again, like six months ago. We are no longer going to prosecute states that have legalized marijuana, referring to Washington and Colorado. There, and this is what I predicted because it was at the. T it was basically they released that uh, memo right as they were about to go to war with Syria, like that we last weekend of August when we were, you know, protesting and everything like that. I thought it was a total distraction when I spoke at the No War in Syria rally. I mentioned it like, look, they're trying to distract us by saying that they'll leave medical marijuana alone and. I was true to my word. They didn't keep their word. They just raided a bunch of dispensaries. Alex Fiddle, Oracle of Delphi. <laughs> they also raided grow ops and two homes. Additionally, in national news, protesters are outside the secretive Trans-Pacific Partnership negotiations in Salt Lake City, uh, uh, opposing an EU for the Pacific Rim. And I, I hate to break it to my pro-Chilean libertarian friends, uh, but if the TPP passes, you might as well kiss... Every dream of a free Chile, goodbye, because Chile is one of the original signatory nations. Oh, they were one of the, oh, the, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it kind of makes me wonder, because you said protesters outside this TP, TPP negotiations thing. I really imagine uh, Alex Jones is out there with a megaphone right now. We got to stop this. It's the global elite. We got to save the republic. Yeah, and further discredit our movement. Yeah, <laughs> just by, you know, being... He, just by being himself, I suppose he kind of does that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, so the n next bit of national news. Um, 
Okay, um, police find a 12-gauge rifle and 100 rounds of ammunition at uh, George Zimmerman's home. After the judge ordered that he cannot possess firearms, firearms, fireworms, fireworms, I like that. Uh, firearms after his November 18th arrest for domestic violence. So there, there, I kind of suspect there's something fishy going on with this whole story somewhere along the line here. But I try to stay out of rabbit holes whenever I can, so I'm just not going to go there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so they, um, they found a rifle and some uh, ammo at his house, I guess, because he got arrested. He probably had to sign a fourth waiver, and that's how they got in his house and found all this stuff. But <laughs> Next bit of national news. A 500-person marijuana smoking party gets approved for outdoors at the Seattle Center's Fun Forest Amusement Park a year after legalization came through. What a great name. The, the, the Seattle Center Fun Forest Amusement Park, and this is where they're going to have this party. What yeah. date is this? I mean, can I go? I or don't know. It's, they're supposed to, supposed to be like celebrating the anniversary of legalization up in Washington. Okay, so, so that was got to be like January, right? But the next piece of national news is a little bit morbid. Having to do with... Uh, Cops versus Iraq. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. It. Yeah, we didn't put that down in there. Um, from filmingcops.com, um, yeah, very morbid. Uh, more Americans have been killed by police than in Iraq in that same time period. I mean, think about that for a second, you know? I mean, so... You know, here they are like, oh, we got to go get terrorists in Iraq. Then, you know, they're halfway around the world. We got to go get them. We got to go get them now. And, you know, we got to bomb Syria. And then we got to go bomb, bomb, bomb Iran and, and all that. But just the cops, you know, are, are have killed more people than, than died in Iraq. I mean, what is going on? Yeah. yeah, we got like six minutes left until the top of the hour with the anti-media radio with host Nick Burnerby is always the third hour of the Free Thought Radio on the Free Thought Media Network. So... Mind if I take over international? I can guarantee you uh, I'm going to make this a record. I'll go this through. A record? Okay, go, 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 go. All right. Extremist Israeli settlers storm the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Dozens of extremist Israeli settlers have desecrated the Al-Aqsa Mosque in East Al-Quds, which is uh, otherwise East Jerusalem, which is the third holiest site in Islam. When they stormed the mosque through the Bab al-Margarbid gate. um, You're losing your time here. (laughs) <laughs> Report, <laughs> reports say the settlers were led by the extremist Rabbi Yehuda Glick, who heads the so-called Temple Mount Heritage Foundation. The Sunday incident comes after a similar event on October 15th when a number of Israeli settlers stormed the mosque under army protection. Now, this is just instigation, and, uh, and it's army just not good. protection? Wow. Yeah. And they want to build a, syn- a high-tech synagogue inside of it. It doesn't. It's not good. Uh, in other international news, the Day of Rage is set for November 30th for worldwide protests against Israel's Prower Plan, which is the largest ethnic cleansing campaign of Palestinians by the Zionist state since 1948. Wow, Adi- they are serious additionally, this time yeah. In international news, the White House criticizes Israel's opposition to diplomacy while Netanyahu has Obama's ear. This seems to me a big smokescreen. Israel and Saudi Arabia are the U.S.'s biggest allies and have had a collar around all U.S. presidents next since Lyndon Johnson. It seems to me like a big publicity stunt on the part of the U.S. They want to mimic Putin and come off as the peacemakers when they really aren't. Putin was no peacemaker in the Syrian equation, but he was just less imperialist and bloodthirsty than the U.S. was. So only in contrast was he the peacemaker. 
So only by contrast to Israel is the U.S. the peacemaker in the Iran deal uh, to make it seem like they don't want war, but actually do. This is all part of a greater plan coming down from the Paul Wolfowitz memo to invade seven countries in a decade, with the end game being Iran. Obama and Biden headlining APAC conferences just doesn't reverse itself overnight. Netanyahu still has Obama's ear, and the U.S. is playing this very smartly. When they come up with an excuse to attack Iran, they can say, oh, look at us, we were the peacemakers in the deals, but Iran just wouldn't have it. And they're a threat. Now, Senator Lindsey Graham said we need to invade Iran by the end of the summer. John Kerry said that even during the Iran negotiations that Obama was willing to evade Iran at any time. Who really thinks those sentiments will change after a couple of weeks? Maybe in the eye of the average American who has the attention span of a squirrel. Um, and according to antiwar.com, most of the... Hey, squirrels can remember where their acorns are <laughs> until next summer, all right? All right. More, <laughs> more credit to squirrels. Um, but antiwar.com says that many, many of the myths about these negotiations... Uh, are being perpetuated by the mainstream media. So some of these myths uh, are that the sanctions uh, are lessened. Well, the sanctions still remain, and they are harsh as they ever were, if not harsher. Only a measly amount of money was un unfrozen. Antiwar.com debunks even more of the myths that the hawks are pushing, uh, the, that Iran's enrichment program got even stricter regulations, which it did. Um, the deal was not reached because Iran wanted to reform coupling sanctions since the better deal was offered... Uh, up to Bush in 2003, and that looking at this objectively, Iran's not a threat. CIA and the Mossad admitted Iran will never get a nuke. So should we even be sanctioning Iran at all? Is the U.S. and Israel the real bully in the room? Why are we blackmailing a non-threatening country to comply with our edicts? In other international news, Gaza Strip was getting bombed. Obama didn't say-ish. I guess, because we can't say the S word. Yeah. Quote Lupe Fiasco. The Israeli regime has carried out several airstrikes on the besieged Gaza strips, but uh, there have been no immediate reports of casualties. Well, that's good. Yeah. A suicide blast and car bomb rock Beirut, Lebanon. At least 23 people were killed and more 140 Jeez. injured bomb near the Iranian embassy, which means why would Lebanon attack an Iranian embassy? The only people that oppose Iran are Saudi Arabia and Israel. So a Hezbollah lawmaker blamed the, the Saudi Arabian intelligence agency and the Israeli Mossad for funding the terrorists as a method to avoid a political and diplomatic solution to Syria. Now, Israel is known for funding and training groups like Al-Qaeda and other subversives uh, as proxy false flags attacks on countries they want to destabilize, like Iran and Lebanon. Saudi Arabia has the same goals as Israel, and both countries are backed up by the U.S. empire. And in other international news, Israel to stop giving citizenship to babies born to foreigners, a further testament that Zionism is racism. So even if you are Jewish, if you come from, let's say, Ethiopia, and you're essentially not white, then you are considered an infiltrator by Zionist extremists, and they don't want you to use your baby to stay in the country. Uh, U.S. drone strikes uh, a Pakistani religious school, killing eight, just hours after a promise not to launch any more drone strikes against Pakistan for the duration of their peace talks with the Taliban. Did they, did they even give an excuse for this one? Did they at least say that there was a terrorist, like, hiding in the bathroom of the school or something? Or did they just like, oh, let's just bomb the school for the hell of it and, you know, woo! Uh, I mean, I, can't I gotta to like that. read the press release on that one. Can they at least say that there was a terrorist in the bathroom or something? Like, yeah. I don't. Oh um, God, it's disgusting. So after our, just hours after the promise, the U.S. 
drone pounded a religious school, and that and that religious school is located outside the tribal regions where the U.S. generally strikes. Um, in other international news, over 11,000 children uh, of uh, Syrian children um, have been killed in the war. Uh, war wow. caused by U.S. and Saudi and Israeli intervention. Um, you know, creating these false rebellion groups like the Al-Qaeda-linked Al-Nusra Front. Uh, U.S. forces to stay in Afghanistan past 2014, unlike Obama promised, and even into 2024. No way. The president lied? Yeah. No way. And so, I w before we get to the anti-media radio, I want to talk a little bit about uh, JFK and JFK Day because I protested. JFK Day, huh? I protested the Federal Reserve this Friday, which was also the same day as the JFK Day. So the anniversary of the Jekyll Island meeting that formed the Federal Reserve is the same day as JFK Day. Protested the Federal Building down here in in, a, in congruence with the National Movement. Um, Alex did get some heat from the man on this one. Yeah, so I, I started using a megaphone, and I talked about, you know, the Fed and Jekyll Island, and I said, oh, today is also JFK Day, da-da-da-da-da, play this song by Sons of Liberty that starts off with JFK's Secret Society speech. Um, if you haven't heard that, that's actually a really good speech. Yeah, yes. and, then, and then once the music kicked in, you know, the heavy metal, then a DHS police officer came up to me uh, from behind and started yelling like, what are you doing? Like, and then he... Or, he or, or was it more perhaps, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, so he, he says, get over here, because he was standing a little farther away from me. I don't know why, but just to intimidate, so he could control me. And then when he's controlling my actions, then he has me to, you know, arrest me or whatever. Um, he says, get over here, get over here. And I don't, because I, I say, am I being detained? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, for what crime? And he's like, uh, he couldn't answer. So I said, you know, I'll turn off the megaphone. I'm sorry. So like, don't you know you're interrupting people's right to a fair trial? There's court over there. No, there's court. You're interrupting three blocks the secret down. court. I mean, that's the, the federal court. building. <laughs> the federal building, which has just a bunch of useless, tyrannical uh, federal employees that uh, might as well be interrupted during their day. Um, then he just gets in my face, uh, and then and, and he has a, actually a front-loaded pistol, which means he could just go like this and shoot me in the face. I mean that's crazy that a it's front, front loaded what? like on his chest. He has a he has a big like they have gnarly DHS armor. Um, you know that's dangerous. So why does he? So he had a, a front loaded pistol strapped to his chest, not like on his yeah, side. Nope. But... So it's just like easy <sighs> access. Oh no, that's no, not front loaded. He's just got it strapped up there. Okay. Yeah, but it's like it's on his chest, so it's. Just oh like... yeah, 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 yeah. But not front loaded. Okay, no. yeah, you have me confused there. I'm thinking he's got a musket or something. Uh, that's just the terminology <laughs> I'm using. But, right. That's all right. But then, I, then, I, then he's just rambling me. You know, being the tough guy, so I'm, I'm just at the same time I'm interrupting him in between every word. Like, look, listen, I'm gonna pull out my cell phone, so you don't think I'm pulling out a gun, and I'm gonna start filming this encounter. Because this is an illegal detention, and that's uh, I open up my UStream app, type in the cop block hashtag, so that when I press record, it tweets that out. Uh, you know, FTV is live cop block hashtag on UStream. Da 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 da. And that's basically as soon as it starts recording, he starts walking away, and I ask him for his badge number. He doesn't give it to me. I just remembered we had more important things to do than harass the populace. We're going to go now. Yeah. So so that was interesting. Um, but before we get to the anti-media radio with Nick Burnaby, anti, the anti-media.org, the anti-media.org, I want to play, uh, indentured servitude by Sons of Liberty, which has, um, has the JFK secret society speech. So let's, t let's just tie that into JFK real quick. 
Yes. Uh, Oliver Stone has come out and said that JFK conspiracy deniers are in denial. It's true. Instead of speculating on how he was killed or who exactly pulled the trigger, let's focus on why someone would want to kill the sitting president of the U.S. So JFK was certainly not perfect. He did succumb to the military-industrial complex in many areas, such as plotting to assassinate Fidel Castro. However, he was more of a maverick than any other president since JFK. When the CIA came to JFK with Operation Northwoods, a plan to stage a false flag attack carried out by American agents against American people, killing people, and then blaming the, the Cubans for it, allowing the justification for a Cuban invasion, JFK said no to such a plan. True story. He also, won, stood for civil rights and equality, so racists didn't like him. Number two, he stood against the mafia. The mafia didn't like him. Number three, he issued an executive order that would take away currency-issuing power from the Federal Reserve. And that executive order was later rescinded by LBJ. So Two weeks after his assassination, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Global Central Banking Cartel didn't like him. Number four, he was the last president to resist sharing nuclear weaponry technology with Israel. LBJ also, coincidentally after JFK's assassination, helped Israel develop the bomb. And then later on, Israeli spy Jonathan Pollard stole nuclear secrets uh, without much repercussions. So Zionists didn't like JFK. And number five, JFK gave a speech lambasting secret societies, but without mentioning anybody named. Although, of course, you know, Bilderberg was kind of newly formed around that time. And of course, the Bavarian Illuminati started by Adam Weishaupt on behalf of the Rothschilds. Those guys didn't like him. Number six, he issued a few memos uh, demanding UFO files be released to him 10 days before his death. And government, so therefore government intelligence did not like him. And that's a fact. Dailymail.co.uk, a credible uh, news source. So, Yeah, secret government technology. They don't like people knowing about that, even yeah. the president. And it may not be aliens. It just means, you know, they don't, the stealth uh, weaponry technology. Um, yeah, they were working on that since like early yeah. 50s for sure. It's just, and it's unidentified because, you know, it's a secret military weapon. So here's uh, indentured servitude by Sons of Liberty with the JFK Secret Society speech at the beginning. And then coming back on the end of that song is the anti media radio with Nick Burnaby. They're already, you know, at it, but JFK, um, they're on for an hour. So we'll give JFK and Sons of Liberty a, little, a spot right here. But again, the antimedia.org, the antimedia radio with host Nick Burnaby is the third hour of Free Thought Radio right after this. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. There is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. And so it is to the printing press, to the recorder of man's deeds, the keeper of his conscience, the courier of his news, that we look for strength and assistance, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. And Across the globe, the 
There is a very real prospect of a new world order. President Bush said, was afraid that I often used myself, that we needed a new world order. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, world order that I think all of us would like to see. I think the new world order is emerging. We have a real chance at this new world order. An order in which incredible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN founders. All right, and that was Indentured Servitude by Sons of Liberty with JFK's speech at the beginning there. But now it's time to bring in the anti-media radio with host Nick Burnaby. Uh, antimedia.org. Like them on Facebook. Excellent resource for great memes and info and things to uh, wake in your mind. So theantimedia.org. Now here's the anti-media radio as the third hour of Free Thought Radio every week. Machines could do, but these guys are cheaper than even the, the machines are. So it feeds in this whole uh, underground economy. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but you know, if you're stu- if you buy something and it's not made in a factory in China, it's probably made in a prison factory in America. Yeah, you know, that, and that, that's a huge deal too. Because if you look at the people that are lobbying for all these laws, it's mostly uh, it's mostly the prison labor unions, the private prison owners. And the the big pharmaceutical companies, you know, so a lot of these people are spending money in order to keep people incarcerated, and they're lobbying the government to keep these laws strict. And I wouldn't doubt um, for one second that they're not the the guys pushing the the feds, you know, the Department of Justice to send the FBI in to go raid all these dispensaries out in Colorado and all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, and I and I actually read uh, the Department of Justice's own study showed that without marijuana being classified as illegal, they would lose 25% of their funding. Wow. I mean, that's what they're spending, um, people listening. They're spending 25% of their total budget, and then you have to think that includes the DEA and uh, numerous other agencies just on marijuana. Just on marijuana. When there's meth being cooked and cocaine coming in by the ton and heroin being used, they're going to divert one-fourth of resources for marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the most, the safest drug ever known to mankind. It's not even a you drug, You see, because actually. it's, it's not okay. a threat. It's a, and kept illegal. You look back at the studies done in the 1910s, the monkey being forced smoked uh, for like 50 straight minutes and then seeing that it caused him permanent brain damage, well, you know, that'll work with any gas. You know, hold, hold your mouth uh, closed in a bag with any gas, and I guarantee you're going to get brain damage after 50 <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it was banned with a bunk science, and now it's, it's so easy to see that the only reason it's kept banned is because it's a massive economic threat to a handful of major industries, pharmaceutical being the biggest of them all. And and it, in the age of information and the internet now, it's it's impossible for them to defend their position. They they have no legal or moral ground anymore to keep marijuana illegal. In fact, they have a they have an obligation to make it legal so that all these little kids with leukemia and other cancer can get cured. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it. It's it's like it shouldn't even have to be legal. It just should never even have been illegal. It's like right. It's like, is our food legal? I don't know. Is it is it legal or is it just food? You know, it's kind of like one of those things. 
Well, yeah. I mean, is it what next? Now, anything that grows from the ground that's mind altering is illegal. So we're gonna we're gonna make everything illegal then, right? Yeah, because I mean, even when you just eat vegetables, I mean, those they have an impact on your brain. A lot of them, you know, there's oh, yeah. a lot of nutrients that go up to your brain and can stimulate your brain a bit. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, the fact that they're even trying to enforce these laws and the fact that there's people s serving time in prison over this stuff, yeah, it's absolutely insane. I mean, it, it, it's it's that itself kind of makes the whole country illegitimate. You know, it does. What a drain! It. What a drain on our economy. What a drain on our law enforcement services that so they can do a legit job, like actually busting real criminals. I mean, it's got so many connotations on so many levels that it, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. And as soon as Colorado got money train starts, every state will do it. And then once the U.S. does it, it's going to be worldwide. So, you know, this is, like I said, this is a last ditch effort for intimidation. And it's just not going to work. It's not. And it's all part of this whole uh, justice system that reinforces the whole pyramid scheme type of thing. I mean, what what if the justice system was based on, on income instead of it being based on, like, these flat rates where, let's say, a poor guy gets gets a, a DUI and, and, you know, that's basically his – that's like all of his money right there. If you get it, if, right. if I were to get a DUI, I would be completely broke for the next like three years. Right. Um, a rich guy gets one, and it's like no big deal. He gets a good lawyer, fights the case more or less, gets it reduced, this, that, and the other thing. Not even a big deal. And for percentage of his income, it's it's really not that big of a deal. You know, that it just boils down to when you when you have a motor vehicle and you sign rights away when you register it and all that stuff and promise to insure it and then. They they get you on a break of contract like everything else in tort law, and if you want to change the system, we can go to the guy that like you. Did you see the the guy that he got um a, a, a fine for fishing without a license, and then he went on about natural law. Oh yeah yeah that guy was pretty that guy was pretty, uh, pretty good. That's the way to fight the system as a whole because you know you're basically agreeing to be. A vassal or a property under this tort law, which is the King's Law, and it, and it came over from Britain, and you're and we're still going along with it. Um, you know, if you want to fight it, you can go the way this other guy's going, and the judge walked out, and then he got to walk out because it's like abandonment of the case. So, you know, that's really the only way to fight it that I can see. The courts right now are are so swayed, completely swayed, and then you have a, a jury that's selected specifically for their ability to be manipulated. Much like today I read an article where cops are now being denied um, job placement because they score too high on intelligence tests. So it's like everything that can be rigged is rigged already. It's just now it's all coming out and people are like, you know, I don't know if their cognitive dissonance is so strong, but they're not mad about it. But <laughs> Well, it's almost like what Joseph Stalin said where he said, you know, I don't really care who's voting. I care about who's counting the votes. Yeah, you know, it's it's a rigged game. I mean, there's been plenty of evidence of of some, you know, weird things happening with with the votes and all that stuff, and and the miscounting in the last election, and there was some there were some questions about the uh, votes uh, on Prop 37 in, here in California, and. Then you got this this fraud that was taking place up there in Washington when they were when they were uh, discussing the the um, 
the i the, labeling? I the i yeah the i 522 right they were they were taught they were uh this big lobby was um the gma was laundering money basically through through that campaign and i mean they spent like 20 million bucks to defeat this thing you know so it's i mean even though democracy is, is pretty pretty terrible i mean there's not what we have right now is not even close to democracy it's it's nothing even near it you know it's it's much right. much closer to a fascist system than it is to a democracy and and the funny thing is the people on you know these politicians and these media talking heads are like oh yeah this our democracy this and our democracy that well first of all you know we're not in a democracy we're in more of a fascist system we were never even set up as a democracy we were set up as a republic which doesn't really make a difference because they always have the end, the same end result well, with is, the electoral college, it's it, it's one anyway. It doesn't matter what we vote; the popular vote means zero. It's just a hedging game against two um, two candidates that are already pre-selected, and either way, they're going to make the agenda go forward one way or another. It doesn't matter. It's just like any bill that gets passed; it's yay or nay on their specifics, not our specifics. So democracy is just completely a, a fallacy, no matter where you look at it. Unless everybody is going to council meetings and shaping bills with lawmakers, then it doesn't make any sense to complain about anything. You're voting on what they tell you to vote for. Yay, they don't care, yay or nay. You know what I mean? They're, they're planned either way. They got the agenda pushed either way. It doesn't matter. So democracy, people need to realize it's just it's a fallacy. Right now it's a fallacy, and it's always been a fallacy. The people at the top are going to move, you know, the curtains around the way they want to moved. This is the thing, and and this is why it it really is pretty much impossible. And this is this in my opinion, this is why. Um, you know, democracy normally it's the tyranny of, of the majority. So it's whatever the majority goes, the the minority gets screwed over because they they just don't have enough votes or whatever, right? Now that's one part of it. Now the other part is that in order for a a democracy to actually work, you would need a highly, highly informed and engaged public. People, everybody would have to actually care, and everyone have to would actually have to be involved. Now that will never happen because nobody, um, only a very few people actually have interest in politics. Most people don't want to deal with it. Most people don't like it. And and honestly, like I, I don't like being involved in the politics and stuff too. Even though I, I, I am because you know I just I kind of have to be. I don't like doing it though because politics sucks. Politics is always just um, issue after issue. The politicians letting you down, and and you might support one guy, and then two months later he he'll go and go completely against what what you thought he was for and all that stuff. And it's it's just a right. bunch of letdowns, you know. So it's that's just why a game. I, exactly. So that's why I'm like kind of like okay, well I'm just not going to support any um, politicians anymore or any political parties or any of that stuff. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of the parties have, have a lot of good things to say, especially the, the third parties and stuff, but I don't really want to come out and endorse any of these people and, and put my support behind them because I know no matter how good a politician is, you know, eventually one, one day or another, they're going to let you down. And then the people that you told that you should, that they should support, I mean, it's kind of like this Bob, this whole thing with Bob Filner, like with our mayor here in San Diego, I have a lot of friends that really supported him. You know, because he ran on doing a lot of good things. And then when all this whole scandal comes out, everyone's like, you know, pap the people that supported him before, turn on him. The other half, like, are, are still supportive of him, and then they start hating each other. 
and then they start fighting each other and, and then it just becomes a big mess and it's in it turns once again into this whole divide and conquer thing where then they even even turn the democrats against each other and then they turn you know the republicans against each other just like they did with george bush right you know, just like they're doing now with obamacare now now they got half the democrats that are starting to jump off the boat and they're trying to say okay well let's give it another year before we force uh, the, uh, it's gonna have to be scrapped they know it already the, the reason why is because you can't trick that many people inside into knowing what Obamacare is, which is just refilling Social Security's coffers when they've already been drained for all of our wars. So basically, it's going to become the letdown to the older generation. Um, like, your Social Security is just going to get lower and lower and lower and lower. And it's just because how are they going to put this on the backs of the young when we can't get jobs? They're already seeing that it, they're going to see a lot of millions of people with fines. And then how are they going to go enforce millions of the fines? Millions. I'm talking about 10, 20, 30 million people that won't sign up for Obamacare because they can't pay that per month, no matter what. They can't do it. Even the lowest, crappiest care, they can't do it. And they'll, they'd rather take that $4,000 fine and then try to have them come collect it. Like, good luck. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just, because it's done already. <laughs> you know, this is the whole problem. You know, all everyone knows that the youth are underemployed at the very least. Most of them, most of us yeah. are unemployed. There's a record number of people that yeah. are unemployed. And then the other half, like my friends that have graduated college and, you know, we're all around uh, between 24 and 27. A lot of my friends have gone to college, come back, can't get a job. Now they're just working like some stuff that they aren't like schooled for but they're so working it because they're making like 12 13 bucks an hour and right now that's like pretty good money you know and these guys are have a college degree they they were they were expecting to make like you know 50 bucks an hour or like you know 70 80 grand a year and they're they're right. they're barely scraping by on like 20 grand a year you know and then so it's like okay well we have a huge youth unemployment problem what's the how are we going to fix it well, we're just going to make all these youth that don't have any money, that don't have any jobs, that are all living with their parents, we're going to make them pay for everyone else's health care. Yeah, they can't How make does that make numbers any sense? match. And see, they can't do anything to the, to the, the middle class, working class. As soon as you hit them directly, you lose all credibility because they're the voting block and they make all the taxes. So if they try to pull something that hits people right now instead of next generation, it, w it won't fly. So they put themselves into this hole where they're going to just screw over the older generation now with lowering their Social Security until the point where they say, it's out, we're out of it. Sorry. Everything you put in your whole life, sorry, we're broke. Like, Ob Obamacare would have paid for it, but actually your kids, or kids, like your grandkids, they can't get jobs because we destroyed our own economy. Sorry. Oh, and your Medicare and Medicaid are up too. Whoops. What are we going to have, a senior citizens revolt? I mean, see, they're going to go for the segment that can't do anything about it. But what we're going to see instead is, you know how people are moving back with their parents now? You're going to see their parents move back in with them. <laughs> oh, so you know what? See, I, you, know. you know, it's funny you say that. I just actually read an article. Um, uh, more senior citizens are moving in with their children. They have to. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's official now. And you know what? That's the way it should be. But as far as with the kids, that sucks because if you are in your mid-20s or in your 30s and you have your degree and you can't get a good enough job to move out, that's when you know that our, our, our leadership has failed. The economy itself is, is in, in tatters. It's destroyed. 
there's no economic ability for anybody to move up unless you just happen to be in that very few percent that's basically genius level or you're born with money and could already afford the best of everything. But I mean, there's no equal footing anymore from an educational standpoint and especially not economic. So, you know, I don't know what the solution is. Now we have the student loan bubble that's going to burst and that's a billion dollars. There's another billion. Oh, it's probably, probably more. Oh, it's a lot more. I think it's uh, about a trillion. Well, if it's a trillion, then it's gonna, it's we're done then because. Yeah, the the um, the student loan debt out out uh, is is larger than the credit all the credit card debt combined of the country. Right, so it's then it pretty is a huge. Yeah, it's pretty huge. So. so and, it's another uh, trillion on top of the seventeen on paper. So there's yeah, eighteen. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, what are these guys blind? They see this bubble's coming. The 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 student loan bubble's coming because all the people that that paid for college can't really get good jobs. Right. I mean, of course, there's some people that do, but for the most part, they don't, or they get a job that's it's under it's under what they're qualified for, so they're not making the money that they should be for what they've gone to school for. Right. So you know, these people can barely pay back their student loans, and now what are we gonna do? Jam them on top with 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 a, another big giant fine if they can't afford to pay for yeah. healthcare? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And then what are we gonna have? So like, here here's what I envision some weird scenario happening where there's 10 or 12 million 25 to 30 year olds who couldn't pay that monthly even for their own health care couldn't pay it they work part-time somewhere and they have a degree and then they get fined are we going to see a 10 million u.s citizen class action lawsuit could be could that even <laughs> be overcome by even the best federal lawyers possible there's no way well so you're going to see Fed versus state, and now you're going to see people versus Fed, and it's coming on the horizon. This is why they're gearing the police state up. I was just talking to my, uh, my yeah. buddy today, dude, and <clears throat> we were talking about how there's been all these different wars, right? There's been civil war. There's been racial war. There's been religious war. There's been class war, right? Um, but there hasn't really been generational warfare, and I think that maybe what is on the horizon, it's going to be where all these young people are going to get demonized and they're going to be called losers and slackers for not wanting to carry the weight for everybody else. Um, and all these uh, baby boomers that are going to, once these guys retire, dude, that is really, really going to put a drag on the economy. And there's and then, a simple fix too. You know what it is? It's called pulling back all our foreign bases, stopping our foreign wars and giving free college to everyone that can, that can make the grades. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that would that would work. Free college, and that means masters too. There's a lot of people I know that got their bachelors, and there's no way they could afford their masters, but they can do it, and they can't get a good job or contribute because they have skills, but they don't have specialized skills. They're not experts at anything. So you know, this is why European countries don't suffer these kind of things because their brightest minds are allowed to go as far as they can go, for free. Because they know they're going to provide a high tax base for everybody else. It's just like, why do, if we're going to socialize ourselves and, and do it the way Obama wants to do it, we need to do it the European way, not the debt slave way. Or make up their mind and, and go back to the full capitalism, but get out of the markets then, the Fed. That's the whole problem. They want, they want it both ways. Oh, yeah. They socialize the losses and they capitalize on the profits. Right. So how are we going to do it? If we can't make a big profit then how do we survive in a capitalist society? <laughs> well, you can't really. 
Right. <laughs> if you're not making the profits or owning the capital, then you're kind of stuck at the bottom, and there's no, not not much upward mobility like they like to say nowadays. But um, like you were saying about pulling the bases back, and and that would really fix because that's about half of our budget. That's over a trillion dollars a year um on defense, and that's just what's on paper. There's probably a lot more, uh, oh, yeah. covert stuff as well, which probably adds up to another half trillion or so. Well, if you read Economic <laughs> Hitman, it's probably somewhere north of five trillion. <laughs> Um, exactly. The reason the reason why is because the drug the drug trade of the world is funneling into these black programs, dude, and that's the thing. It's trillions. It's it's four trillion, five trillion, uh, a billion dollar base here, a five hundred million dollar base there. Who cares? Yeah. So, um, you know, what we're seeing now with the foreign policy and and it's huge news that we that was coming out, you know, this week, uh, yesterday and today about the Iran nuke deal. And the the it looks like they're finally making some kind of headway into this peace with with Iran. But if you look at the media and what the media is doing, the media is totally, uh, especially Fox and MSNBC, they're like, oh well, this is just a bogus, uh, this is just a bogus deal. They're basically taking the talking point right out of Netanyahu's uh, playbook. And um, they're they're basically saying, oh yeah, this is just gonna buy time for for Iran to get the nuke, and then they're gonna wipe Israel off the map and all this crap. It's like, dude, Iran is not an aggressive country. When is the last time Iran started up a war? I'll tell you the well, last yeah, time Iran fought a war. Times. Yeah, and and the <laughs> last two times they they were in war was because we were trying to we were financing the people to fight against them. Even you know? historically, when they've been in wars, they've been invaded and they've lost. And other kingdoms have absorbed them. The thing is that they're not a warrior type of culture. They're a trader culture. They're a merchant culture. And, like, they don't – that's not their goal. It's not to start some kind of crazy holy war. Maybe at the very top, the very craziest guys in the top of the clergy. But the people overall are – they're fairly secular and they're fairly modern and fairly western. Um, if you've ever watched any documentaries about the country that aren't slanted, they're they're not – that different from us in a lot of ways so <clears throat> you know they're they're kind of like us where they they think the government's crazy and they don't trust them and the <clears throat> the crazy thing about this deal is it's a six-month deal and it basically allows UN inspectors to come in make sure they're not weaponizing the nuclear power plants they say they're going to use for power um, and that's about it um, in six months, can they make a bomb? They probably have uh, stuff already, honestly. I mean, they probably do. And um, so this is what this deal does, in a sense, is kind of set up this crazy proxy war because I read something today about now how Israel may ally with Saudi Arabia to uh, to fight Iran. And what, so it's a, pro it's a proxy war. What's, I, what's Saudi Arabia's huge beef with Iran? Is it the oil? Saudi Shiite. Sunni Shiite, dude. That's all it is. Oh, okay, and, and so we're yep. the we're the guys financing the Saudis. Both sides. I'm sure we're giving Iran money right now. Now that the sanctions are lifted, what do you think's flying in by the by the truckload? Arms, dude. Yeah. I mean, you don't think arms are getting dropped off from us right now for them? They're about to fight Saudi Arabia and Israel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> The, the the major powers kind of came to a stalemate in Syria, and now we're gonna have our proxy war and fight it out through our through our um, you know, so we don't fight on our own homelands. 
So we're we're not fighting in China or Russia or the U.S. Yeah, they're just uh, sacrificing the uh, third world. Yeah, it's just going to set the Middle East on fire and cleanse it. I mean, isn't that what they wanted? More or less, man. I mean, that that, that no. If you look at all the rhetoric, that's what it seems like they're they're trying to set up. I mean, it's because it, it wasn't a peace agreement. Let's not let's not be naive. That all it did was set up a proxy war, a conventional proxy war. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Israel has dropped a few strikes in Syria in the past month or two, and it doesn't even make headlines. It doesn't even make national news. You have to dig through these like anti-war websites just to find just to find out right. that that these guys are already dropping bombs. So yeah. And in Lebanon, Lebanon's getting into a crazy, crazy civil war right now. And this is a tiny country that's been mired in civil war for the last 40 years or so. And, you know, they're going to go into it again. They're going to get dragged into their own little mini war again. I mean, it will be, it's going to be like a World War III type thing, but it'll be the theater will be the Middle East and maybe the Pacific the way it's looking. But I think this is what these crazy guys want at the top. Well, what what makes more money than financing two sides of one war? Exactly. I mean, the 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 uh, Rothschilds have been doing it for for centuries. Yeah. Look I mean, where they got them. It, it seems pretty apparent to me. This is this is what's going to happen. Now, was it good in a way? It might have been good in one way, where it might have averted total nuclear war. Um, that would have been something that would have probably wiped out almost everybody. So maybe in that way, it's better that it may stay somewhat regional now, but. To be sure, it's not a good thing. There would really be no good thing. I mean, Iran doesn't want a central bank. So they have to be brought to their knees to accept a central bank. Next will be North Korea. And then eventually Cuba is just going to be like, oh, crap, we might as well just take it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, we're, we got the sanctions up on North Korea as well. And we're trying yeah, to do the same thing. And they're in dire straits. They're having... So we uh, basically, people, you know... We'd rather see these guys starve to death and have no medicine or, you know, just die from, like, simple simple sicknesses than, uh, than treat them like human beings just so that we can get them to accept our, our system and join our international organizations and basically accept the corporate rule, which is what uh, democracy has become in uh, the Western society. And whenever, whenever we wage these wars for democracy, it, it's basically a, a war for... Um, corporate uh, democracy and corporate rule, central banking, fiat money, global it's tax, the, and the, it's the new slavery. That's what it is. Democracy, Western democracy, as it's known today uh, in the mainstream term, is a basically a new word for slavery. And they've combined, they've disguised democracy, which is normally known as like a word for like freedom. You know, oh, it's a democratic election and it's a democracy or a republic. That we we normally associate that with freedom and oh that's it's a good country and, and they they have rights and stuff, but what well, we've we've turned that into the new form of slavery, and rather than enslaving people with chains, um, we enslave them economically with the dollar system and the fiat currency. Of course, I mean people work harder when they don't think that they're being enslaved, when they think that you know their human capital which can't be reproduced with any machine at this point. They're selling it for uh, sub sustenance. I mean, there's people out there that are really skilled doing pretty good jobs and, and things that are valuable, and they're barely making it. They're not even having anything saved for them for their retirement. Like, you know, they're making 40 50 a year, and yeah, that's cool and all, but 
you know, in the fifties, the, the equivalent would have been 150 a year. You would have had two, a summer home and a boat and 50,000 a year. You'd stock stock up in, in a bank for, for your retirement. You know, those, that standard of living has been shot to hell. Oh yeah, and and it's it's partly to do with with the Fed and destroying the currency, destroying the money, um, and and then you know you got this social security stuff, which which is totally uh, just debunked at this point, and and it bred this kind of uh, irresponsible um, society where people were just like, ah, oh, whatever. You know, I don't really got to worry about it because I got Social Security, you know, and and that's all good and fine. That would be if Social Security were solvent and that they actually had a plan to keep it going and that it was sustainable. But unfortunately, they raided the Social Security right. to go to and, all these wars and stuff. So now all these people that were hoping to get Social Security are kind of going to get stuck with the short end of the stick, it seems like, pretty soon here. Pretty much because, you know, the thing is that it's protected by federal law. So how if it becomes an audit issue and it's found out that it's been raided and obviously it's been raided, then it, everybody that had been part of the government up to that point and knew about it is complicit in the great grandest theft ever. And I'm talking about trillions of dollars because you're talking about people's life throwing it in there and, and hundreds of millions of people throwing in a large chunk of their paycheck for their whole life. And now to say that, hey, we were, you know, it's for the good of the country and, and national security and we're expanding our influence and blah, 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 blah. Oh, and we don't have any money for what you need now that you're retired. I hey, mean, hey, but uh, Exxon is able to extract all that oil now. Oh, well, yeah, you know, the oil we haven't needed for a while, you mean, because uh, the electric car was killed? Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, you know, I, I, I highly doubt that any peace deal that comes out of this government is going to be effective you know back to this iran topic um i mean it, it, it's good in a way because it's ratcheting down this rhetoric now um the mainstream media is still trying to act like iran is like the biggest threat to world peace even though it's us um it, it's pretty hilarious every time i hear them talk about every time i i i look at the news and i hear them talking about iran i'm like oh yeah are, are they talking about the united states and then I'm like, oh, okay, okay. They were talking about <laughs> Iran, of course. Yeah, yeah. Iran, Iran's a big threat to the world because they might go and invade, start invading countries for no reason. Oh no, wait, that's us, right? right. It, it, it's funny. It's like the way they describe Iran is basically exactly what we're doing around the world. It's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a regional power that just it, it wants to become invasion-proof by getting nuclear weapons. I mean, is Pakistan not fully armed? I don't see us going in there. Is India not fully armed? I mean, something crazy could happen there. It, you know, you is everybody in the nuclear club not to be trusted? And we can't have another player? Uh, <clears throat> it seems to me like, you know, it's just the sphere of influence thing. And they don't want to lose grasp on one side of the Middle East. They want it all. And China and Russia are not going to allow that. They can't because then they can't get oil. So that that's basically what it seems like it's amounting to, the black gold as usual. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just resources, you know, and and obviously, uh, you know, chances are the reason we'd make peace with Iran is that we're going to cut a cut a sweet deal on all this crude oil. Sure, you know, or that, we're just going to allow Israel and Saudi Arabia to fight them, 
And then if they win, we'll just get the oil anyway. Yeah, because if you look at all these Warhawks, it's it's these quote-unquote conservative think tanks like Heritage Foundation and the Center for Foreign Policy and the Council on Foreign Relations. You know, these are all neocon societies, which don't get me wrong, there's, they're full of Democrats too. Um, but the, see, the, all these people that are the Warhawks are also the same people that get all the oil. They're, you know, this stuff is funded by the Koch brothers and guys like that. Right. Um, so they're also the people that that process the oil, and then they're they're the ones that have the uh, refineries and all that good stuff. So you know, if they're not, if, if we're finally forming a peace deal, chances are is that in the background we're making an oil deal. If this is real peace, that means it's big money. You know, I don't see it. I I, I don't really see it any other way. We all know John Kerry is a huge, huge time war hawk. He's George Bush's cousin. Which you know, obviously he's part of this inner group that makes money from all these backdoor deals and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I doubt that th there's any kind of true, true peace that isn't based on some kind of uh, BS behind the scenes. You know, it would be so nice if we just got all this government crap out of the way because the American people and the Iranian people, you know, there is a lot of good information and a lot of friendships that can be made between the two of us. You know, I know a lot of good. Um, um, Iranian people that I've made friends with out here in San Diego, and they're really nice people. They're really they're really uh, respectful. They're really smart. You know, the food is awesome as well. And I mean, what better way to exchange between two cultures than to have you know between food? You know, it's a great way. Yeah, it's it almost seems like music. It, it, it's just an ideological clash with them that they're a theocracy, and they don't like that. They want to be able to sway the public, but over there, the public you know, purposely doesn't have any power. It's the clergy that tells the governing body how to do things, and the people accept it as religious law uh, under a Sharia law, although they allow the economy to be very secular, and they're very modern in that way, and they have a great education system for their brightest minds, and they do have a very cultured society. So it's more of like a sphere of influence threat. That's really the only thing I can see because – as a direct threat, maybe they can hit Israel. And yeah, I'm sure the craziest people at the top over there have wanted to fight a holy war with Israel. But even they know that it's mutually assured destruction for everyone. And that even the top people there are, you know, they may be crazy, but not all of them are that crazy. I mean, if that was the case, Pakistan would have started a nuclear war with India by now. So these people know it's destruction for both of them and it's total destruction. It kind of goes back to this um, when I was interviewing this um, that this activist Malala Malala Joya from Afghanistan, yep. um, and it's kind of the same thing. Now the reason why the Iranian government is able to oppress its people so much, because if you look back to the 1970s, Iran was a very very open society. Man, people can go come and go. The people were allowed to leave. Tourists were allowed to come in. They had a they had a thriving uh, elected democracy really, um, and and what happened was we went in there and overthrew their government with the right, CIA. Right, the Shah you know? in. <laughs> we put, and then we put in our own puppet, and what happened? The people became disillusioned with America. They started to hate us, and that's what led to what the, what they have right now. When this with they had this Islamic revolution, because they were so tired of the Western puppet, they had nothing against. The way we live, they were just tired of being, they were tired of their leaders being puppets for the Western powers, you know, and that, that brought in this new regime 
and now that since we've been attacking them ever since and trying to undermine them ever since, you know, bet between fighting a proxy war between Iraq and Iran when we were funding um, the Iraqis and we actually supplied them with chemical weapons, which they were, which they used on the Iranians. Um, that's why they don't like us. If we if we started to be peaceful with them and we took the whole government out of the situation and we and we started trading with them and stuff. Their whole support for this dictatorial government would disappear. Right. You know, and it's kind of like the way Americans are, the mainstream Americans, how we're brainwashed to be these patriots and to be against terrorism and Al Qaeda and all this stuff. It's kind of that same thing. If the if if it if it weren't for all these things that were happening, there would be no reason for the government to have all this NSA and people wouldn't be supporting this stuff, even though they really don't support it right now either. Just because they've started to find out, you know, the the actual uh, right. depth, uh, the depth of what the NSA has been doing. They thought there were people. People just assume, oh, yeah, they're just taking care of us. They're getting rid of the terrorists and stuff. I have to laugh at all these people I see buying Xbox Ones too. I mean, do they not understand what it's not only capable of, but what if it is capable of? It's being used for already. A absolutely, it's Big Brother in a box, dude. If it can make it can it can look at you through X-rays. It can tell if you what you have on you in your on your person, like and it's hackable. They're showing how not only is it usable by the NSA or any other uh, government agency, but just a dude that's in your neighborhood. He can hack into it. <clears throat> that's comforting. Yeah, and and people are shelling out five hundred bucks for this thing. So you know the the invasion has begun. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> on I, I every level. I think the video games are so popular right now as well. Also because the economy is so bad because it, it, it it's kind of funny because my my uh my uh, younger brother he bought he got he he was one of those guys that bought the uh um what was it that game that just came out that that huge selling one Grand uh, Theft Auto. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto. He bought that uh, right when it came out, and he's like, "Yeah, man, it's a good investment. See, I play this instead of going out and spending money because you know, <laughs> I don't have going out and, I don't have uh, money to spend." But instead of going out and doing anything, that's the whole problem. That's the whole problem. You're 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 not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, the, these guys don't really have the money to go out and go to bars and stuff anymore. A lot of times, you know, and it it, it sucks. You know, they're, they're stuck playing video games in their in their living rooms with their moms at their mom's houses um, because the economy is so bad. You know. And I really think that has a big factor to play in why why these these so many video games are and video games are so popular and they're selling so exactly. much. And alcohol's been skyrocketing too. You know, if you had stock in InBev uh, three years ago, you're you, I think you got like a fifteen percent return uh, despite despite nobody having money. They're still buying Budweiser and Bud Light. Oh yeah, that's how it goes. Actually, in in depressions and recessions, the alcohol sales actually go up because people just sit at home and drink and play video games. Yeah, well now, yeah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> um, we got the next thing on the agenda here: uh, China rejecting the U.S. dollar. China has announced that they're not going to stockpile U.S. dollars anymore, and um, it, it, it we've been seeing this going on for a while now. Um, they've been making moves to establish new currencies and, and things like that because they're not stupid. They understand that the U.S. dollar is going, you know, the way of the dodo pretty soon here. And you're seeing these these uh, alternative currencies like Bitcoin shooting up like crazy. 
And um, I hear people in China are using Bitcoin a lot now too, as well, because um, it helps them stay anonymous. And because you know you got huge big brother out in China. Yes. But uh, you know this can be a huge, huge blow to the U.S. economy. And if we start undermining the U.S. dollar, um, there can be a chain reaction, and it's going to hit us the hardest because we're the U.S. We're the reserve currency. Everyone else uses it, but it's going to it's going to nail us the hardest. Everyone's going to feel it. Um, it'll, it'll, you know, Europe's already in a recession. We know that it'll heighten the recession in Europe could turn it into a depression. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you just look at our, look back at the great depression, just as a, as a understanding of how our culture will react. Um, and notice how different people are today. They will not stand in, in a, in a line for soup kitchens. Um, that's not going to happen. There's going to be a huge amount of rioting and, an overwhelming uh, response from law enforcement and, you know, all that good stuff that comes with it. But now that's the short term. That's like the first couple of weeks after orders restored. If you make it through it, it's going to be this new crazy economy and the cash is not going to be worth anything. You're probably gonna have to trade those in for some kind of credit. And that's probably where they're going to try to push the RFID thing. But I think what you can do now with your cash, it's pretty safe to say you probably should be buying a lot of silver if you have any discretionary income. And then as soon as the uh, dollar drops down to nothing, those those ounces are going to probably quadruple or quintuple at least. And then when you have all that cash, well, guess what? The stock market's going to crash too, right? But you're going to have a lot of silver, so you can trade that in for a lot of cash and buy a lot of stocks at nothing. And if you make it through all this, we'll have overnight millionaires. This is what happened in the last Great Depression. As long as you were savvy enough to put a little bit away into silver, you could buy hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of stocks for pennies on the dollar with silver. And silver was worth quadruple of what it was before the drop. And it's this crazy opportunity as long as you follow the old school way of making money, which is the way the robber barons make their money when the streets run with blood, as crazy as that sounds. And that's what these conditions are right for them to make a huge profit. That's why they're encouraging this. They want this to happen. Well, you know, we know back during the depression, they went, they went and they confiscated all the gold and they made everyone right. turn in their gold to the fed. Um, and now I don't know if you've seen lately, well, the past couple of years, I, it slowed down a bit now because I think they already sucked all the gold out of the poor communities. But there were all these ads for, oh, bring your gold, bring your yeah. bring your chain, bring your ring, bring your yeah. old wedding ring, whatever. <laughs> bring it down and we'll, we'll give you money for it. Exactly. So, I worked for one of those, actually. <laughs> so most of the poor people already lost all the gold. So the poor people, you know, they already turned it in because the economy's right. been so crappy for so long. Everyone's already said, okay, well, you know, I need the cash. I'm just going to go give grandma's uh, necklace in. And right. that's it. That was all the gold I had. That was all the silver I had, and it's gone. Well, you know, what's gold, though? I mean, just get silver coins. That's the beauty of it. Just get a lot of silver coins and, you know, deposit them. Now they might come from silver for silver as well, which would be really. Uh, they're not going to go to the Lakota Bank on an Indian reservation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, these are just things to think about because this is now a reality. It's not a eventuality or something we, we're talking about in theory. When China decides to not use our dollar, guess what happens to Walmart? Walmart's prices are going to probably double. Probably double. So are you, is your paycheck going to double? Because Walmart's the cheapest around. So if your paycheck didn't double, guess what? Your buying power is probably going to get cut in half here real soon. 
and you know the other thing that's really sad is the is the food stamps are tied to um they're not it's not like where you have a food stamp and a food stamp's good for two tomatoes the food stamp is good for a certain amount of money dollars it's not good for physical i mean see now that would be a great idea to reform ebt to change it into worth three pounds of flour two pounds of blah 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 blah. go pick it up at the food pantry not the ebt where you can go buy doritos and a 40 and some cigarettes <laughs> and lotto you can buy a lotto with your ebt what the you're putting it you're, du- you're if you're buying lotto with ebt you're double dipping <laughs> if you win do you have to pay back all the ebt you already took no, there was that lady that won the lotto over in, uh, where was it? She won the lotto and she kept collecting her food stamps, too. Right, yeah, because it wasn't income. It was a gift. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, that's the thing. It's just, that would be a real easy way to reform EBT to serve its function. You know what I mean? Um, you can pick up this amount, of, and, and a lot of, we'll give them bulk stuff so they can cook at home, cook good food at home. That'd be nice, man, but... but as of right now, and I don't, you know, it, it's so hard to reform things these days. Um, the 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 EBT, the food stamps, are going to be tied to monetary, um, to monetary uh, accounts. You know, monetary, value system, which yeah. they can manipulate, and they they can they can literally starve you out by making food items unattainable with your whatever you get a month, and it's not a lot for most of these people. You know, they're not going to be able to go buy food, and then guess what? Food riots. These guys, these there's nothing to forage. There's not enough time to grow a crop. They're not going to be able to go out and hunt. I mean, see how easy that is to do. And even people that are making thirty thousand a year working full time, if their grocery bill doubles, <clears throat> then you know they may not be able to make it either. They're going to become little literal debt slaves, where their debt on their credit cards is going to be just enormous. Oh yeah, and then there's going to be a ripple through the economy where you know you may have that job now, but in in a few weeks, a few months, I mean, if the you economy gets bad, you know. And then what happens? You know, then we have what's societal unrest like you haven't seen because there's never been a a country with 300 million people that are so diverse of different backgrounds when the economy's in ruin. You know, when the when the last Great Depression hit, you know, it was a very different America, very different. It's going to be a, a crazy, chaotic situation here when the dollar does do its final collapse and probably cuts in half here real soon. So I would say, you know, if anything, buy water and bulk food items now and start storing it up. Because um, when the prices jump, you don't want to get caught with your pants down and not eat. And, uh, you know, we got proof in the pudding here with these these police uh stations uh police forces even even in small towns becoming militarized they got all these militarized vehicles armored vehicles crowd control training you know they're they're i saw one today actually nick believe it or not my first time i saw one a personnel transporter directly from the marines six-wheeled uh it's kind of like between a humvee and a uh like an armored assault vehicle like you could probably carry ten guys in there, and they'd be fully protected. Oh yeah, I know they have one. Um, our, our buddy Alex, which is um, we're on uh, on his um network. He he was fighting against the one they got in Encinitas. They got one in Encinitas, and Encinitas is a small town, you know, middle cl- upper middle class town. 
Um, what are they doing with an armored car? They They're don't gearing ever have... up for you know either either societal unrest or an invasion. <laughs> because you don't need this stuff. This either this just makes us invasion proof to any other country. So we know we're already invasion proof, and obviously it's just going to be used on us. That's the only reason to have all this stuff. Just because the groups of people and the crowds and the huge amount of people riding are going to be just, they're going to require overwhelming response. Oh, yeah, man. And they want to get, they want to, they, you see, you know, the way I look at it is all this, the, the whole war on drugs and all that stuff is, it's an assault on the, on the young. It's assault on the youth. It's assault on the poor. You know, all the people that aren't going to, that are going to think twice about, you know what people are telling them because you know when you're upper middle class and you're getting along fine you're you're kind of going to go along with the program right yes now if you're poor and you're and you're stuck in the hood like I am you're you're going to think twice about following authority and listening to what these guys are telling you and you already have a built-in distrust for 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 authority because the cops have been hassling you your whole life you know you know growing up down here where I'm at dude like we were hassled by the cops nonstop every damn week we were hassled by the cops pulled over stopped on the side of the road questioned searched we didn't know our rights back then this is before the internet was this is before the internet was was around we didn't know our, our rights we didn't know what was going on anyways guys thanks for tuning in uh catch us on wednesday we'll be taking some calls wednesday uh same time catch us on friday as well thanks for listening guys awesome thanks again the antimedia.org the anti-media radio host Nick Burnaby uh, just ended. They actually just gave a shout-out to us uh, talking about uh, my anecdote of living in Encinitas where they have an armored vehicle in the police state and everything like that. Now, how, like, how big of a, like, a grant do they get from DHS from that? $300,000 to the fire department and the strings attached. You have to be compliant with the Patriot Act. Oh, see how that so works. Awesome. That's so everything sneaky. to do with fire safety. It's so sneaky. <laughs> but if you missed any part of the episode, Cindy Sheehan, candidate for governor of California, was the guest. And next week, the guest is John Bush of Sovereign Living TV. After that, uh, yeah. the, the week after that is Javier Cecilia, Mexican poet against the drug war. Uh, also, Josh Christian, lead guitarist, one of my favorite bands, Toxic, spelled with a K was the guest host for tonight. We premiered some new Toxic material that they've been working on. It was a one-minute snippet. Um, so iTunes, search for Free Thought in the iTunes store. Find Free Thought AAC. Subscribe, and new episodes will automatically download. You can check out the older ones if you want to. Um, it's freethoughtmedia.org and facebook.com slash freethoughtradio. I want to thank you guys again very, very much for tuning in. Stay free, and we'll see you guys next week. Vote Cindy Fogov. You You're listening week. to KKSM Oceanside.